Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, a great episode, an amazing episode, in fact, with uh, the wonderful, the amazing even, uh, Marina Franklin, who I've known for uh, many, many years. She knew young married Pete in the comedy way, uh, would be doing shows together, and I was so happy that I got to shoot a scene with Marina for the new show that uh, I'm making in New York, which was amazing, and she's so great. She just did uh, a bunch of late night spots. We talk about that. Check her out if you haven't seen her. She's incredible. Uh, nothing for me to plug. I do have a show coming up on the 25th, uh, June this month, 25th, uh, in D.C. with Judd. So if you're in the Washington, D.C. area and you want to see a show that I'm hosting with Michael Shea and Judd Apatow, that's going to be an, uh, an amazing show and pretty much the only stand-up I'm doing for uh, quite a while. So that should be a fun one. Uh, check my Twitter feed uh, for a link to the tickets. I just tweeted it, uh, if you're hearing this, the day it came out. And we have a couple sponsors. This episode is brought to us by CISO. I know, I'm sure you know this comedy is experiencing a serious renaissance right now, just like Matthew McConaughey uh, is going uh, into. And CISO is a comedy streaming service tailor-made for comedy lovers and comedy nerds with thousands of hours of the best comedy, 24-7, 365. So CISO for yourself. CISO's got all 40 seasons of SNL, the entire Monty Python library, all of Kids in the Hall, Parks and Rec, both versions of The Office, that's Steve Carell and Ricky Gervais, and the hilarious brand new exclusive stand-up series from people like uh, UCB, Cameron Esposito, Dan Harmon, Scott Ackerman, and Jonah Ray. Pretty sure, yep, every one of those people has been on the show. Oh, except Scott Ackerman. Jeez, that's an oversight. But wonderful people that, uh, that have been on UCB and other things and wonderful things and will be on the show. Uh, it's 100% ad-free and costs just $3.99 a month. Even better, you CISO for yourself for free right now at CISO.com. CISO, you get it. Um, that's it. All right. So just want to add. All right, everybody. Enjoy Marina Franklin. Thank you to CISO for your sponsorship. And go to PeteHolmes.com. Hopefully see you in Washington, D.C. on Saturday the 25th with me and Judd. In the meantime, enjoy the wonderful Marina Franklin. Get into it. Uh, no, I think the only person that can be embarrassed or should be in the you know possibility of being embarrassed is the host. I really do. Like if I'm like, so where are you from or whatever, like I think, <laughs> haven't you done radio? Sorry, I'm coloring. I committed and now I have to finish and I'm done. Um, you know, you do radio and, and they're looking at your website or whatever. Yes. And they're just going through it. And the, the top couple things on my website are like, I don't even know what website they're on. I, I think it's just a straight Google. And then they're like, so you're from uh, Chicago. Like they think I live in Chicago. They think I uh, E-Trade baby. You know what I mean? Like yeah. old, they old bring up shit. old stuff, yeah. And then they just go through it. Yeah. They shame on them, not on you. I have, I've had them recently bring up the fact that I waited tables at, at Jekyll mm-hmm. and Hyde. Which you know why? Because like, that's on yeah. your that's on your Wikipedia. I know. So, well, you know, and there's a quote. Sorry to interrupt. I just want you to know that there's like it's clearly from an interview about it. So it's like a hot topic. Oh, because it's a it's a it's a actually a podcast that I did. James Altucher. He's really popular. The guy. <laughs> okay. Just you know, get the first kind of couple jokes out of the way. You know what I mean? It loosens things up. 
I make a stupid joke. You feel more comfortable. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're also supposed to compliment. I've heard that works too. What up top? Like if you make, if you tell people what you really love about them. Oh my God. Then they relax. Well, the scene that we just did. Right? Oh, here's the compliment. Oh, yes. In the oh, scene. Yes, in it. I say you did a great job on Conan. I was just rewatching your Conan. You just did Colbert. I did. Fantastic. Thank I'm you. really, really great. Not easy to do. I, I feel no, like. No, they're not easy. That's the hardest thing to do. And I feel like this could be wrong, but Colbert, because it seems so serious. You know what I'm saying? It's the suit one. It's the it's it the new the Letterman one. one. And it's in that theater. And there's all this prestige and all these things that I think are the enemies of comedy. You know what I mean? Like. Do well, be classy. Like no one else asks you to like be classy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it because I thought about my wardrobe and years ago. Great. Thank you. I thought you might wear what you wore on the show because that looked great. Oh, I would have preferred to have worn that. Oh, interesting. But the, you know, because of what you just said, everything like it's more of a conservative show. Interesting. I decided to wear a conservative attire. Isn't that funny? Yeah, and I told my I, I looked at what Ryan Hamilton wore. He wore like sort he of had a, a great conservative. Set too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I w- looked at what Nick Griffin, and I was like, all right, so I have to look like I'm meeting these guys for dinner. Basically. That's the suit one. I, not to put down the other yeah. ones, but if you wear a suit when you do uh, Conan, for example. Uh, it, it's going to be weird. It, it could be weird. It could also just be like your choice is the thing. It's like if That's you invited true. me to dinner at your house and I came in a tie, you know, it's, it's my choice. It's a little weird, but that like, is true. hey. Yeah, it it's be more bad. character. Well, Conan, what I love, uh, I love both sets and sure. doing them, but what I do love about Conan is it does really stick to what you just said, like who you are. Just and that's be why you. they want that. As opposed to Letterman, and now it seems, again, I could be projecting, it seems Colbert is more like, no, be show business, be old show business, not dated, but like, you know, for lack of a better word, even the location of the theater screams like, Wear a blazer. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's the old um, Ed Sullivan Theater. I, the guy that I ran into, his name is Vinny, who is part of that department of comedy. He mm-hmm. like broke down everything. He goes, you are in, you uh, know, He sometimes... didn't do that before your set, did he? Yeah, but you that's okay. What? Well, I mean, I'm that's not... Pretty, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, yeah, it's like a long time, long but time. I like... You don't want to say? <laughs> are you at the point where you don't want to say? I know, you know, but it's over like a decade. Your age. Over a decade? Yeah, like about... 18, 20 okay. years. I didn't know so we were feeling bad about that. I've been doing it about 15, 16. So, yeah. But it, it does feel like, you know, to, well, he did, like, when they, when they like, really want to introduce themselves and, you know, but he was the reason I was there. So, sure. of course, I had to be nice. And then it was also, like, he's <laughs> explaining, like, who's been there. He's like, the, I the, don't like it. A, Okay. I'm not. I don't mean to speak badly about Vinny or the traditions of the Ed Sullivan Theater, but the reason I asked why, how long you've been doing it, is it takes a certain amount of grit and uh, whatever you want to call it, thick skin, to start deflecting things like that, even if they're well intentioned, very sweet, kind, and nice. You need to not freak out. When... You need to be in your own space. Yeah, that's true. And, um, and it takes a while to get the ability to flick some of those things away and be like, I'm not going to freak out that you told me. Who do you say performed there? Well, it was it was a lot of white men, <laughs> which was funny. A lot of white men in print. He mentioned like, <laughs> yeah, he mentioned the Beatles, which is fine. I, no, the Doors. He I don't... said Elvis, and I was like, just so you know, like, look at me. Like, if you could have said Elvis, like uh, the Isley Brothers, or maybe Stevie Wonder. Uh, that's great. Or <laughs> clearly Stevie you know. played there. Just yeah. say it, even but if. But it was didn't. still. He was a really cute, charming guy, and he was. He was like such a fan, so it was like right. I couldn't really 
You no, know? no, no. I think that's interesting. He, he's obviously this person has done nothing wrong. This is a, gr- a good. No, person. he's breaking down the Ed Sullivan Theater. But when you're in that world, and then that's your office, and you're there all the time, you probably think that that's really cool, and you're not really considering that someone might be a little bit tense. I think he's been there for a really long time, and maybe he just is finally having fun. That could be. You know, like, because yeah. he's there, I think, during the Letterman days, and maybe uh, now he's got a little more freedom. And a little bit more cachet, like he's yeah. cool. He's I mean, from... he's been around, too. Yeah. So I think he's, I mean, just to give him a little credit. Sure. I, think... I don't mean to shit on this person. Who no, all those feelings you ha- you said I had. Yeah. <laughs> I did have initially, because I didn't even know he was, okay, let me put it this way. I had all those feelings you had in the beginning until I found out that he was the guy. Uh, <laughs> and then I corrected funny. and then I corrected my attitude. Can we talk a little bit about that phenomenon of how much of our business is let's take Vinny out of it. Vinny great guy, we're putting him in the great guy we category. Love you, Get him Vinny. out of here. We love you. But there is an interesting thing that when someone uh, is in a position a gatekeeper or whatever a lot of our job is figuring that out, and, and I'm not saying, like, suck up to them or whatever, but you have to kind of play it cool with certain people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not saying treat them. Maybe I am saying treat yeah, them differently. Yeah, you gotta treat them differently. <laughs> you, you don't have to suck up. It's club owners for me. I don't it's, have the ability to fake really how I feel. Um, my face tends to show it all anyway. That's funny. So I just... I'm just I just play nice. Sure. As nice as I can. Yeah. You know, and that's about it. But I won't like go overboard cuz that'll look really bad. Going overboard. My face would look like it's cracking. <laughs> if <laughs> really. you tried to be like super duper su- oh, sweet. Oh, they'll be like what's wrong? People with can you? smell that you look anyway. Sick. You need to get in touch with the authentic part of you that really does like them. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird area I guess that I've brought up. <laughs> no, but it's tr- it's a good area because it's I've 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 sat at the table sometimes at the cellar certain times and there's people there that are like you know c- celebrities come in sure. or certain people come in that you know and you're like you have to sit there and just smile I just smile and isn't that funny is it, but the smile will crack if it goes too far it's a little bit like dating I've noticed that typically women that I've met, that I get the feeling that they like me or whatever, will laugh at everything I say. You know what I'm saying? Like, you notice that men are weak babies and it's like, oh, just make them feel like a big, strong man and laugh. Oh, you're so funny. And then you touch the arm. It's embarrassing how well that can work. I don't do that. That's why I'm single. Nah, well, you shouldn't do that. (laughs) Obviously not. But uh, unless, you know, (laughs) you want weak men like me to like you. (laughs) But when you're at the back room uh, of the cellar or whatever, you know, the back, it's interesting to watch those politics go is like it, it is this natural occurrence of the people that have been doing it a long time that counts for something I bet if you broke it down there would be some sort of subconscious point system to be like oh John Stewart is here when he talks everybody's quiet why he can't get you on the daily show anymore I, I mean I'm, I'm sure he could but I'm just saying it's not that one for one like yeah. he could get me on his program tomorrow it's not that he's, yeah. he's, he's a comedian now and he's sitting at the table but there's this respect thing and I, I have to imagine you've navigated that this whole time? I have. I usually sit away. When it's certain people, I, I'll, I may not go to the table. Is that if right? If I can't handle it. If I can't even smile. Uh, um, I'll just stay stay at the bar or I'll avoid or I'll go downstairs. and go. Because I, I, like I have to be in the right mood for that too. You mean to find the will to kind of play that game? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like uh, – because I just feel like we're just comics. And um, the best of them don't make you feel that way. 
when don't you make sit you at that feel table. like you better. Isn't it great? Mm-hmm. Isn't Colin it great? Quinn is incredible in the way that I've always felt ex- almost too comfortable around this man who's very brilliant. <sighs> and it's just because... Because he looks like he might change your oil at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he just looks like that kind of salt-of-the-earth good yeah, guy. Yeah. And you forget. He always looks like he just played in the dirt in the backyard. <laughs> and you're like, Colin, get out of that. He's the rascal that your mom doesn't get want you playing with too much. Yeah, of that garden. <laughs> Because his shirt is always like unbuttoned wrong. Yeah. And yeah. there's like soil somewhere. Right. But Just he, like a genius. He's leaving the butter out. He, you know, he's forgetting stuff. I'm imagining, of course. I don't yeah. know this about him. Yeah, he's but very he'll, real. But he'll sit just, and hang. He'll sit and hang. You know, Robin Williams was like that too. Is that right? Yeah. Robin Williams loved just sitting at the table. He loved being around the comics. And I, I remember sitting next to him and. There was a girl, she had a big ass, and he goes, my God, that is a nice ass. I mean, it was just like, (laughs) you know, he's just real. And it was like nothing put on, and he wasn't too in his head about stuff. Like some people will come, and I will say they are younger comics who do that now. And I'm like, if you could have only been here in the day when like it was really like – Colin Quinn, Nick DiPaolo, Patrice O'Neill, Jim Norton, Greg Giraldo. They're all sitting there at that table, and they are really just boys having fun. Mm. I mean, they're trashing each. It is a tough crowd. Mm-hmm. But if anyone came there with that type of, um, I'm in my head, or I, I've got a, I, I am the star, mm. they would trash them to the point where they'd be so trash they would get comfortable and relax it's a way of like uh tearing the veil you know yeah. what i mean it's like you start to believe your own hype or whatever you're killing and you feel you get it all inflated and stuff and then you sit at that table and they're not just teasing you to tease you necessarily they're trying to break you down to the place where we can all just relax and be people and, be, that- and that's yes and that's what makes the comics comic i mean once right. you start getting outside of that once because even for me i will say i'm guilt i'm guilty of it too like even after – this is going to sound so funny. I feel Keith <laughs> Robinson in my head going, you got to drop in your Colbert set every second, don't you? But <laughs> you just had to bring it up. Stupid. But, uh, <laughs> but even after doing that set and, and the love that I got from a lot of the comedians, you know, was overwhelming. And I, I guess because they're not used to seeing me do a TV set and they just feel like they want to see it. Mm. And they're so supportive. Even I felt like walking in like a little higher, like make like I was like, oh, don't, don't be like, oh, I just did something and I can't, you know. Mm-hmm. But I did feel good. Sure. So you feel good as you should. You're walking in, you're kind of floating. It could have gone badly, Marina. Yeah, it could have gone badly. It, it, oh, I w- oh, let me tell you, <laughs> it, it absolutely. You just yeah. never know. You don't know. That's the whole thing. I don't want to get us both in our heads, but you could start a millisecond wrong to like this way, that way. You could smile the wrong way. You could open the wrong way. You could flub. There's too oh, many can things. Can I be completely honest? I blanked. Did you? Yeah, I, well, I, you I didn't can't notice. Tell. Yeah, you, you can't cannot, tell. I'm amazed that you couldn't. Tell. I like. I'm not in a cruel way looking out for blanks, but because I know how tense it is, I'm <laughs> watching from that comedian's perspective. I didn't notice any blanket. Oh, because I had so much going on before. <laughs> a lot of people don't know how much stuff is going on before you go on stage. There's yeah. someone putting a cold mic on your back. Yeah, they're telling you where to walk. Yeah, you've never been to that stage before. It's you've a, never hit that. I mean, you've hit that mark in some sort of rehearsal, but it's yeah. not the same. And the blue. It's a blue tape on a blue floor, and I was like, oh God, where is that blue uh, tape? <laughs> uh, then you're seeing the audience for the first time in that room. And, and you have no time to assess them. A stand-up would go out and be like, oh, look at you. There's a whole bunch of you over 
here and oh, what's up with those people? You just have to start. You just have to start. Because the clock's start. ticking. And what is it, five? It's five. Well, they Six? actually were very loose with that. Oh, that's which right. Which was really nice. Like, I don't, can, it was like five or six. Now, I, I didn't do a network talk show, but having done a talk show, I don't understand where the like, it's got to be five comes, comes from. Because a lot of the time you're yeah. just kind of like, yeah, we can lift 30 seconds from when I talked to Sharon Stone and was like, so you're from Vermont. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. take that question out. Keep more of this in. We'd rather have the laughs than some sort of like downbeat in That's an interview. True. So anyway, I don't they mean should, to they, No, they should do that. They should do long. a late night set where the comic kind of is like, you know, you know what? Do what you want. We'll edit it out <laughs> if it's bad. They used to do that for like Richard Lewis and stuff. Like he oh, wouldn't yeah. run it by them and he would kind of do it. Because a lot of people, they start to shrink if you go five minutes. I'm one of those people. It's hard. I never run my late night sets to the minute. And you can tell by watching them. They're, they're too long or, you know, they're off in some The way. five minute, <laughs> six minute set. And I think I was about 530. Look, I'm so specific with it. Is you have to like... Make sure the punchlines are there. Yeah, I know. And then... It's a real when do you think they'll laugh kind of thing. When do you think they'll laugh? Well, that's what's funny about your Conan set is you do this a bit that I don't know if I would have had the courage to do. And it went very well, by the way. Mm. I'm not being backhanded. Oh, thank God. But you're doing this long... It's almost like watching a joke roll down a hill. You know what I'm talking about? You're doing the thing about getting fat. and And it's very slow. And it's very long. Typically, I did when I did Fallon when it was like the late, the later one. I did my most bulletproof set ever, meaning just like it's just jokes. It's just you ever hail a cab just to stop it from hitting you. It's just like just things like that, just like setup and punchline and. And, of course, it blew no one's hair back because it was the safest set you could do. Uh-huh. Then when you see you doing something like that, where it is a roll down the hill, and if they don't start rolling when you're rolling, which is maybe exactly what I would say is your number one predator in the sea of the studio audience is that they won't get on board yes. when the door was open. And now you're just a trolley car going up the mountain alone. Yeah. But you found them and then you maintained a club in the good way, club-like rhythm, relaxed. Uh, I want to say lazy in the good way. Do you know yeah. what I mean by lazy yeah. well, in the good way? Well, it's also like finding your own That's up it. there. You didn't let them say, be this for us. Yeah. You said, no, 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 you come to me. Exactly. I'll be doing this. And that's when comedy gets so beautiful and empowering is you're like, I hate when I see people sweating and dancing and, and trying to be like, I've done it. <laughs> of course. We've all done it to survive in certain gigs or whatever. Yeah. But on a late night set, it's like, no. Mitch Hedberg would eat shit on a late night set every once in a while. Huh. And he'd still, he'd do what he does. Yeah. He's not going to start doing crowd work, you know what I mean, or or change his pace. He just did what he did, knowing that people at home are laughing. Probably. Yeah, it's bringing them, changing the energy of the room, I learned at the cellar. Is that right? Yeah, because you're always following strong comedians. Yeah. So, you know, when you go up there, they're always like, who's this person now? Yep. It's not like, it's funny that audiences don't go, everyone's going to be good. Yeah. Audiences actually go, no. That's I right. want to see what this next person's going to do. I know. Isn't it weird that the judgment is apparently part of the pleasure? For <laughs> Some people, great audience members, are just like, I, I always call them I out. I have the, a good time. Fuck it. We die one day. I'm going to laugh. Yes. I will have onion rings. You know what I mean? Like they're there. I call that the woman who has the easy orgasm. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Because why would you clench around an orgasm? Let it go. Yeah. Let it flutter. You're not and thinking make, about it. That's right. And laughing, that involuntary sort of body response, is in the ballpark of a sneeze or an orgasm. You know what I mean? So have it. 
But unfortunately, I think we, we live in a critic's culture. Everybody can rate everything. You can yelp it. You can blah, blah. Oh, you can run someone out of business with yelp. You know what I'm saying? And that kind of comes into comedy until we remind – sometimes I think you can successfully remind them, no, I'll be doing this. I invite you to join me. I think you'll like it better if you get in the trolley car, as I was saying before. Yeah. And you will. And guess what? You can judge and be cool, but you're just the kid skipping class, and it was the fun day in class where someone had cupcakes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You're out back smoking. Come in class. It's okay. You yeah. don't have to tear your jeans and comb your hair with grease. Yeah, it's, I agree. Relax. And, right? But the seller, and it's 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 better now. Edit out, edit out mm-hmm. those. It's it's it's. <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> it's, 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 but it's don't better you see, now. When you see someone as articulate and poised Ooh. on a on a Conan. How inspiring it is to be like, oh, she's regular, regular people. I made that joke about breath mints. We're regular folks. <laughs> Nobody thinks we're not, but I'm like, we're just regular people. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, but you're talking about following people and changing the tone in the room. And- yeah, because it, it, I had to f- – sometimes you'll follow – shoot, you'll follow Chris Rock. Yeah. You know, and then I, um, I used to panic about that. But then I realized, hey – it's a good feeling that they're left with. They just saw Chris Rock. Right. For like whatever amount. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's like they hit the lottery. <laughs> for they an should, undisclosed amount. They should be pretty happy. Right. And so they're getting they, – they're in a good mood. Just do what you do, Marina. Isn't that Who funny? Who cares? But isn't it funny how you have to replace thoughts in your brain with other thoughts? You do. And how much of, of our business and any creative business is identifying the thought – I'm not good enough to follow Chris Rock. And almost like a, a computer chip or a SM card, you know you know what I mean, and like a camera. You take it out and you put in a new one. You put in like, no, they're good. Yeah. They're excited. They're happy. Plus, as old Billy Burr would say about going up in black rooms, he's like, it's great. It's the same advantage that a black guy has on an all-white show, if, if you want to argue that, is that you're this different thing. Oh, that's taking out one chip and putting in another. That's And that's part of our job yeah. is going – Okay, it's clearly terrifying to follow Chris Rock, or it's fun, just go and be you. And th- we've talked about that quality that good comedians have of giving it a beat, you know what I mean, going up. You're not going to go up and, and start yelling and try and keep his momentum. Let it, wouldn't you agree, dissolve like a wave and take a beat. That's that beautiful moment where you say to the audience, I'm not here to dance for no, you. No, I never dance. You know what I mean? I can't. I can't watch comedians who dance. It's a scary thing. It's hard for me to watch. I. I it's like. Um, it's. So, it's just so desperate. It's right, and um, there's nothing funny about that. It's nothing funny at all. And I've seen comics do it. And I, it just. It, it hurts. Yeah. To watch it. It's like a, I understand it though, but it's just like I. I can't do that. I. I um, it's just like I can't be fake to someone. I just right. it's not possible for me. So I guess that's kind of like a good thing. Yeah. That is I it? can't do it. <laughs> I mean you seem like does do you get in trouble for that? Huh. <laughs> I mean yeah, probably. I just I feel like there's a yeah. lot of people that tend to, you know, you find those people that want that. Typically, you know, Children of alcoholics will be very drawn to someone that's very open because you you were raised by parents that were very kind of manic and strange. Mm-hmm. And like dad was drunk and he said I could have a bike and now he's sober and he said fuck your bike. So then you're drawn to people that are just like that sure looks stupid. Like a Keith. Mm-hmm. I'm not that's, saying that's I'm not how saying I grew Keith. up. I had, my dad was an alcoholic but he was really good at it so I don't – Being – he was a good <laughs> – 
He was really good I at being an alcoholic. I never noticed it. Isn't until, that funny? Until I, I, one time I drank, I thought it was water in this glass. I was like, oh, that's not water. Oh, my God. It was vodka? It was straight vodka. Yeah. My dad was a very, but he was, a, he was, the only time you knew he was drunk was when he was mean. Yeah. And that was very rare. Interesting. Very rare. But yeah, I grew up like that. I don't, uh. I get is, so is this worried. how your podcast goes? Do yeah, we go into yeah, the yeah. therapy part? That's the whole thing. Oh, no. Yeah, no. But we can do whatever you want. <laughs> Sometimes they're just... Is silly. it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, no. It's, That's cool. It's not supposed to really be funny. I mean, it can be funny. No, with the I love podcasts joke. that aren't always funny because it's like, we're not like that. That's right. It's like when people come up to you and they're like, oh, make me laugh. You're funny. Right. You're a comedian? You don't seem funny right, right now. Right, right, right. Right. Turn it on. No, it's off. <laughs> well, I, I think... I've said this many times, but being silly is easy for me. Being funny is like flexing a muscle, and it's not something I want to do all the time. Unless it's like something really like base, like sarcasm or something. I mean, most people can do that without any effort. But if you're asking me to be clever and engaging and grab your attention and hold it, it's like, yeah, I don't. I, I like doing that. I don't want to do it all the time. Yeah. And to be honest, some of my favorite moments of life are on this podcast, having actual nice conversations, and I think that's what people like about it. My, now, what I was going to say is, I often get very scared talking about my father's business. So I'm not saying he had a drinking problem, but mm-hmm. I will say that he was in that vein, not the glass of vodka secret uh, drinking. Not to say that that's what your dad was doing. Uh, but like no, I, it's not a secret. Uh, I just happened to wash, have the wrong glass. <laughs> my dad, yeah, my dad wasn't secret either. There was no hiding or shame or anything. But I didn't know. I thought he was just like a fun time. He, he and my mom would argue a lot. Looking back now, I'm like, well, you know. Booze doesn't help. You know what I mean? Yes. Like It's like putting gasoline on the fire. If you're drunk and you're fighting with my mom, it's going to be worse probably yeah. than if you were having a cup of chamomile. You know what I mean? If you could be nice and calm. Yeah. If you were in a sauna drinking cucumber water, it would be a different <laughs> argument. Yeah. But if you're having like Southern Comfort or whatever the fuck, you might you get a little bit more aggressive, right? Or a lot more aggressive. a lot, yeah. But I, you know, so when I say, like, I didn't even notice, my mom will be like, you don't really remember. And I'm like, well, I, I know they argued, but a lot of the time my dad would just seem happy, silly. Like, he wasn't, you know. Yeah, and I, and I often wonder, like, I miss the people when they, it's it's awful thing to say. But, like, you know, that person, when they're drunk, they're so much fun. And then when they're not, and you're like, oh. You know. I miss the person when they're drunk. And that's like, you can never <laughs> say that to them. I feel like they do say that because I go off drinking. Like I'm off booze right now uh, for the show. Oh, good. Which is fine. It's just it's yeah. I did it for you too. Did you really? Yeah. Just for what? To be sharp. Just so I can remember lines Uh. and be sharp and look good and not have a puffy face. We've been talking about puff face, but because that's why I stopped. I was like, oh, immediately you lose ten pounds in your face. Immediately, just your face. It's amazing. Just your fat face. (laughs) You had you had fat wino face. And now I'm looking at playback and I'm like, oh, thank God I stopped drinking because I don't have as fat of a face. And I like that a lot. But I feel like when I stop drinking, I have a lot of friends that are the guys that are like, you can't, you can't have one. You know, like – Joe DeRosa? No. <laughs> Joe might be a guy that he loves when – he loves drinking with you. You know, he's one of my best friends and he and does – I love Joe. He, he is a have a drink kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what you love about him, obviously. But when you're co- trying not to – I recently went out with a professor of mine – uh, who I'm very close with, and another friend of mine, Jamie, and we were eating, and I was only eating, like, salad, and they're eating, like, fucking weird lobsters and butter and shit, and I'm just like, they were really pressuring me, and I was like, what yeah, is that, this? That's a, yeah, it happens what? with food as well. <laughs> I was like, guys, 
I didn't I didn't think I'd have to say this, but I'm uh, doing my own TV show. This is like a very legitimate reason People, to not want to drink. But first of all, I don't eat that shit. But also, like, give me a break. Give me a chance to be as fun sober as I am drunk because I'm always two drinks in. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Give me a break. It wasn't the booze. It's, it's you feeling weird about me not drinking. It's absolutely right? that. Yeah, they're projecting Just onto pretend you. I'm drinking. Give me a seltzer. It's The seltzer isn't for us. It's for you. <laughs> it's the alcohol in them. It's like <laughs> Satan is in their body going, come on. That's right. Pete, That's please. right. Captain Morgan is in your liver going, get him on board. <laughs> it's <just> fucking stupid. <laughs> yes. So I happen to think I'm also fun and more fun. I've noticed on weed. That's where I get real silly and funny. Yeah, you can't smoke when you're doing and when you're doing lines that's it. too. I did that. I quit that too. For Is you. that right? Oh, good for you. Yeah, I I uh, yeah, learned I had to years work. ago. Yeah. When I did, I did a play in Brooklyn. Oh, you're gonna give me the actor's nightmare if this is about you forgetting lines. Ooh. <laughs> I smoked a lot of pot back then, and then I was also doing comedy, and then I got booked in this play at the Billy oh, Holiday no. Theater. I had a lot of lines, but oh, I was also no. a comedian, oh, so I would no. forget the lines on stage. Oh, no. But I, but no, it wasn't, it was just like, I was also a comedian, so I didn't care, and I, I let, I let the other actors, like, pick up the, and I was like, I would just look at them like, come on, you know I forgot this line. <laughs> um, and the one guy got so mad at me. He's like, Marina, he's like, I'm just... Like, you could do better. You're the only person that lost their lines in a play and was just like, this is your, this is your problem. <laughs> I was such an asshole. I thought you were going to tell me a story of your heart racing, your hands no. were sweaty. You were just like, eh. I was That's just, amazing. I thought it was hysterical while I was in the moment. It was like, I was such an asshole. <laughs> and I remember giving that look like it's not happening. And you know what? There was, see, when I did theater, it was in college, and I was the one that would say other people's lines because I hadn't done anything. Oh, wow. No alcohol, no weed ever. Like, I just had never done it. So in plays, I, I knew everyone's lines. On this, I know everyone's lines for the most part. It takes me a beat. When we did our scene, like, for example, I did have to look at it. But, you know, it, it'll come back. But weed, even though I do enjoy it, and I just told you the th- the truth is like it makes me very silly. People, I sometimes worry that I come off as too serious. Joey Gay, for example, just did the show. Yeah, it was really fun to have him play an MC at the Boston. That was great. And he, uh, but every time I was thinking, he was like, "Dude, are you all right?" Like he kept <laughs> thinking something was wrong. Because talk about faces, uh-huh. my serious face apparently looks like I'm plotting your murder. Oh. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just like, I know I'm fine, Joe, but like. I, I'm a serious person when I'm working sometimes. Yeah. So it's hard to... So but they just didn't know. I guess they didn't... They had never seen me make that face. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they just don't... They haven't been around the different faces of Pete Holmes. That's right. I know. The honor. Can yeah. you imagine? But you take acting seriously. I didn't know that you started as an actor. Do you prefer actor Well, not at actress? that Billy Holiday theater. No, you, you were... Comedy had corrupted me. Because I was serious before then. And then I did comedy. And then I was just kind of a lazy actor. Uh, That's what happened. Wait, because you had the... I don't want to guess, but comedy was like this great way for you to perform and get what you're looking for as an actor, but in well, a it was more of like way. yeah, it was it was more of like it wasn't really that. It was more of like I didn't like sharing the stage. Yeah, no, Marina, <laughs> I would have said it if person. you didn't. It's a clean, burning one person show. Success and failure is all on you, so it hurts worse yeah. when you fuck up. You can't blame Troy. 
and he missed his cue. Yeah. But it's so much better if it goes better. I'm, that, that's the, I have the same thing with improv. When I stopped doing improv, I, I, it went from an improv team to I was like, I don't want to do two-man improv because I want to be in every scene. <laughs> and then I was like, I, I just want to do stand-up. <laughs> and it's okay. Right? I mean, do you, you don't feel bad about that, uncovering that about yourself? Well, it was more of like, yeah, I do feel sort of bad because I, <laughs> I, 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 I always thought I was – never really a great actress. Even when I was in theater, like I always thought there was something about my listening skills that wasn't that good. Mm. Um, and I didn't know how to share as much on stage. And I knew that. And I just... You mean emotionally? Like vulnerability? No, I didn't know how to... Yeah, just, just, just to give and take in the mm. scene. I, mm-hmm. I just... I think I was a little selfish. And I, um, I had to learn that because before I started doing theater... I used to do in high school. I used to do. I was on the speech team, mm. so I would do prose stories. Yeah. So I would read like a, a monologue of something that I picked, but it would be a monologue that I created from a book. So mm. it was really weird the choices Wait, I would you make. You wrote it? No, it was like a. I would pick oh. like a, a story, and then I would make it into a monologue. I get it. So it wasn't that, like out of a theater piece, right? Like the funniest you thing you repurposed I, it. I did. Yeah. Like I. I, the strangest thing, and I never thought anything was weird about it until people told me it was weird, was I would play, I would do um, um, Native, not Native Son, but I did do Native Son, the the prologue to that, um, but, uh, where, ah, uh, shoot, uh, Huckleberry Finn, mm-hmm. and I played Tom, wait, not, not the slave, I played uh, Huckleberry, mm-hmm. talking about his slave. Weird, right? Exactly. <laughs> But I right odd choice. But you know what? <laughs> this is the thing. Never in my mind did I ever go, Marini. You're playing a white boy. Yeah. <laughs> talking about his slave. Never for a second did I think that. I just loved the speech that he had uh-huh. when he was talking about his slave, and that that was his friend. But isn't that lovely? My, it is, because... and that's why I would win in these competitions uh-huh. because. They oddly saw this connection that I had with the story, and they would say to me, we never for a second thought that's odd that there's this black girl doing uh, Huckleberry. Right. So it, it's, it's true, wonderful acting and that you're going into the other person fully and, and not being limited. But that is the other thing that I think is lovely is – in that moment, the actor, right, is supposed to be a limitless vessel. Yes. You know what I mean? Sean Penn isn't gay. He's in milk, playing a gay man, whatever. Uh, it's interesting for you in that moment. I don't want to read too much into this. You're going, no, why would I? You know, I like to think about our bodies as our cars. And in that moment, you were just being like, no, I'm this thing inside this. Why would I be limited to just being the slave character? Exactly. Right? Isn't there something liberating and nice about that? And it was, it was, it was liberating. It was nice, and it was. It's actually the basic tools of acting is that's what you're supposed to do. Right. I think what happens is they say when you become an adult, you lose all of those like those innocent thoughts that like freedom, that. Mm-hmm. That limitless feeling. And it's funny, the theater world is the one that corrupts the actor mm. because the theater world starts to cast and typecast you. And so they put you and they say, you can only play this part and this right. part and this part. But the whole beginning roots of acting is you're not supposed to. You're just supposed to be. Right. And, and magical if and all that stuff. Right. And so, um, so, yeah, I would do those solo pieces and then – I went to school and I I had to major in psychology because my dad wouldn't let me (laughs) major in theater. 
at my alcoholic dad. Yeah, old water glass. <laughs> well, he was drinking vodka. So you know. um, but no. So then after that, I took courses in theater and it was strange acting in a scene with someone. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to take what I was doing as a solo performer oh, and put it into like, I'm now I'm talking to someone. Right. It was very hard. And uh, it's awkward. You know, that I feel like not enough people are talking about that when you're doing a scene, especially I knew you, so I didn't have a hard time like looking at you. But so much of acting is like, uh, can you look at Marina, please, while they're framing you up? There's just all these like downbeats of staring at somebody. Yeah. And if it's someone you don't know very well, mm-hmm. someone you just met, and they're like, can you look at Dan in the face, please? And they need you to stare at Dan for five minutes. And then you're doing the scene. And there's something kind then of vulnerable. there's acting and acting. That's, that's <laughs> what do you mean? You got to go in your head. I like looking at this face. That's I like right. looking at this face. I like looking at that's this face. That's right. And then they also have to see the vulnerability of you emoting. I've, I've gotten over it, but at the first time I did any acting kind of in the pilot, I was like, it's a little bit embarrassing to go from zero, there I am eating a muffin, to emoting anger, sadness, whatever it is. And everyone knows you're pretending. But I'm, I'm even more interested in what you're saying. It's like the pretenders that start stopping people from pretending. Yes. That's bizarre, right? Yeah, it is bizarre. I mean, isn't that the whole idea of having you like yes. pretend you're a fish? It's like, you can be anything, right? Yeah. And then at a, at a certain point, I'm sure people are like, no, you're this type. You look like this type. Yes. We want you to behave this way. Absolutely. I, I auditioned for – when I, I, did, I then went to Syracuse and got my MFA in acting, but not really. I didn't finish my thesis, everybody. <laughs> so um, – because I'm a true comic that way. Um, so Rick Shapiro told me. He goes, oh, I like that story. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I don't get it. I told Rick Shapiro, I said, I never finished. I never got my master's. I'm so embarrassed. He goes, that's what makes you a comic. I like that story. That's the one you tell. Ah, that's Um, funny. But, no, I... I didn't do my thesis either. No one asked for it. No one asked for it. My school is a bunch of dummies. (laughs) But I just, I couldn't commit. Um, But, no... That's too much. um, I did an... You would audition for these plays at Syracuse, and Syracuse really did have one of the best acting course drama schools like Tay Diggs came from there Mm. Um, Vera Farmiga I know Vera Farmiga Mm. came from there and um, do you know who Vera she's in um, it's very familiar I was hoping it would start to come to me as you were talking she was uh, she's in the new series about um, uh, Psycho not Psycho um, Norman Bates Hotel um, oh yeah that's Psycho is that Bates Psycho? Motel. Bates Motel. Bates Motel. Yeah, yeah, she plays the mother. Okay. That's Vera. Okay. Um, so Vera was there when I was there, but they would all have these auditions. You'd get these plays and stuff, and never for a second did I ever go, I can't audition for the play where the family's all Irish. Interesting. And it was like yeah. Dancing at Lunasa, which I was- can't believe it. That was the play my ex-wife was in. And I was just telling someone the story that it would have been what? such a better story- if I had – because I wrote a review for it uh-huh. for a class and then after we were dating, I looked it up to see wouldn't that be romantic if I was like the dazzling blah, blah, blah. I didn't mention her. It was oh. such a, there's like five people in that play. <laughs> I just you didn't mention her. Yeah, my rooster's dead. That's, uh, <laughs> there's a line I remember from that play. Oh, God. I lo- it's a beautiful play. Good play. It's, it's, it, it's another story that spoke to me regardless of – Culture, race, whatever. I wasn't thinking, oh, this is white. 
Right. Never did it strike my mind. All I thought was, this story connects to me because these are women dancing in a kitchen. Mm. And I relate to rhythm and I relate to family and dancing. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I auditioned for it, I remember my teacher, Lizzie, she was from Royal Shakespeare. She was very good. And she said to me, she goes, Marina, when I, I, I'm not going to do a good accent. Oh, fuck it. Where um, was she from? She was from England. Oh. And she's like, you know, when I look at – I can't do the accent. But she was like, when I look at you, I I don't even – when I hear you, I hear the part. Interesting. She goes, but I – as much as I, I can't. Oh, no. I she thought goes, this was going to end with, and because I'm cool. No, she looked like it was a moment for her as well. Oh, no. She goes, when I close my eyes. <laughs> oh, God. You are the character. Oh, no. Yes. And I mean, I perfected the accent. I think it was something like, you know, when I go to the dance with Timmy McGee and myself, the dance of our straw. Yeah. Just, that was not as good as I did sure, back then. Sure, no. But, I mean, it's been all this time. But she said it was so good, but she said she couldn't do it. Interesting. And that broke my heart. And that was my first confused. And even in that, that should moment. Be, that's a heartbreaking moment. That's a heartbreaker. And even I then. I thought for sure you were coming to brighten our day with a story of a woman no. that was like, it's a play. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? And it's not see- really a kitchen. It's a stage. And you're not – like, I mean, if I'm being – trying to have empathy all around, I can understand somebody being like, we can't have a black per- – I don't like that. Yeah. But I can at least – I get it now, but Step still- into someone having that kind of closed-minded thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? She wanted it to – And then you realize, and I I probably understand it more now as I talk about it than in that moment, as being a student in my 20s and going, sitting in that room and it being heartbreaking and not really understanding why it was. I don't think in that moment I understood why it was heartbreaking. Now I understand why it was heartbreaking. It was later? It was later that I put it together. I hate to say bless your heart, but it's like a bless your heart. It was so pure Mm -hmm. doing these monologues that you were doing. And like I said, not identifying with the car. The whole allure of theater is the limitlessness of it. Yeah. And then here's – it might as well have been someone like dressed like a wizard, like just like a make-believe <laughs> person going, but you're black. You know what I mean? Like, you're not a wizard. You're not magic. Yeah, oh, what a letdown. That's just life, you know, but it's like – But it happened so late for you, which makes me kind of happy. It did happen pretty late. Which I mean, is how like, old you're were right. you at that I was point. like 20. Well, I was 24, so maybe 23. You got to fill that reservoir of youth and innocence in the good way. Not in the naive, stupid way, but in this like beautiful, mm-hmm. again, to use the word limitless place. So you got 24 years of reserves of that. Yeah. And hopefully you can hold on to some of it because it seemed like that stopped the inflow. Yeah. It, it, or it, interrupted it. Just, it. It, it just was a waking, eye-opening moment. Um, and then – you know, you, you don't even know where to place it. It's so funny. Uh, and, then, and then it disappears and then it, it, then it returns again mm. when you get older and you go on auditions and they say, we want this type of character. And then you go, oh, am I that type of character? Oh, wait, it's acting. And then you go, wait, but is it really? Mm-hmm. Because when they cast things, they go, this person does the character the most authentic, but the best actors – or the ones who were given the chance to be the best actors, should I say, mm. have transformed themselves into many different types of characters. Robert right. De Niro, Al Pacino, 
we could say early Al Pacino. Two guys that would play Latin people, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Yes. And disappear. Right. Which, you know, I've actually heard uh, – People talk about, oh, it's unfair that uh, Italian people can play Latin people. But even that, I, and while I understand what they're saying, there is even something kind of fun about like, no, everybody can play everybody. Remember when Donald Glover was going to be the new Spider-Man? I don't know if you heard about oh, that. Oh, I didn't. It, there was this thing. It maybe it was just a silly Twitter campaign that I saw. But I was like, yeah, that's, that's that some be, good stuff. That is some Nobody good stuff. Nobody cared when Nick Fury was Sam Jackson. I don't know if you know the Avengers. Oh, yes, Nick Fury yes. was a white guy. And, you know, and there was a black kingpin in the shitty Daredevil movie and it wasn't the black kingpin's fault that it was a shitty movie. I'm just saying we see the make-believe coming back to some of these things. Yeah. Because isn't that like the theater is that space where genders start to blur and where races start to blur and who we are starts to blur. Isn't that the whole – That's the whole point Exercise of it. is to go – Oh shit, I'm playing Pete Holmes all day and then for 2 hours every night I'm Captain Hook, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and wasn't it crazy how I got lost into that cuz you start to see if you replace certain thoughts and beliefs about yourself, you start to behave a different way. You put on a mask and you behave Kabuki. like that mask. Kabuki theater Precisely. is the perfect exercise for being able to do that. Like when you lose that sense we used to do the mask, the mask exercise in yeah. theater classes, where it would bring you back to that. Because mm-hmm. when you have on a mask, you, your whole body starts to change. You look in the mirror, you see an old woman's That's face. It. Your body starts to change. That's it. Because you don't see your face. Right. I have a you theory know, about that great. too. I, feel, I sometimes feel like people that look friendly in life are friendly. And I don't know. I don't think that's fair necessarily to put that on these people. But people go up to friendly. I'm, of course, different faces look different. Friendly levels to different people. Who knows where that comes from? When you were a baby, your mother, your father. Who cares? I'm just saying. For better or worse, you look at somebody and you're like, I think Tom Hanks looks friendly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't really think Tom Hanks is going to be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. So because Tom Hanks looks friendly and when he brushes his teeth, he sees a friendly face, I think his chance of being friendly goes up, let's say, 5% because people expect him to be friendly. You're right. You know what I mean? Whereas someone who looks uh, you know, traditionally grumpy, like if they have a resting grump face like you and I sometimes, <laughs> but like all the time, yeah. then are, were they inside more – Angry, Probably, more grumpy. because they get treated different. And it's, I think it's, it gets reinforced. You know I what can I mean? tell a difference in when I lose weight, how people treat me. Isn't that funny? Yeah. What is it like? What, what do you mean? I feel like a pretty person. I know. I... <laughs> it's so amazing. I get things done. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean you get things done? <laughs> people do things better. Like, yeah. It's amazing. The more it space sucks, you take man. I as mean, a it, person. I, it doesn't suck necessarily. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can I just say something? <laughs> Uh, Val and I were talking last night and we were talking about women losing weight and we talk a lot about she's she's a big feminist in women's and you know of course I am too equal all that Uh, sorry to make that sound so flippant but that's not my point my point is this she was like it's funny that we even train women to lose weight to physically be smaller be smaller in the conversation be smaller in the office and literally manifest yourself to be smaller men be bigger. That is so... Isn't that fucking nuts? When she said it, I went, ah! like I had just <laughs> never considered it. Like the manly guy is supposed to have big shoulders, yeah. right? Big arms. Consider yourself in an elevator with him. And the ideal, of course, I don't believe this, woman is supposed to be small and pushing the buttons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Except for in so- certain cultures 
Like I've noticed, like West Indian culture, they like big women. Yeah, they like you know. Also, I, was, I often say black it, culture, but I think it's more black culture. Listen to me. Well, I was going to say that when I was in Africa, yeah. I was I was doughy, and everybody thought that was incredible because it means you have money for a goat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was in Uganda. I wasn't like on a safari. Uh-huh. I was in Kampala. A I was very in like specific place where a, they want that. If, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. So, well, where do I go where they want doughy? <laughs> Uganda, sir. But then there's also just something. I don't think it's necessarily like an African thing, but you know, uh, Black Americans tend to have an appreciation, like Robin Williams, certainly yeah. not just, and like myself for a curvy woman. Yeah. And I think we've been reprogrammed. They've been trying to take that chip out of our brain and replace it with this small, thin, petite, quiet ideal. When it's some of these curvy, thick, dare I even say jiggly, loud women that are a, far, a goddamn hoot. <laughs> well, that's why it's starting to – I think you're right. They are, they're great. They're great. Go to a museum. We're not wrong. Yeah, they're happy. Exactly. And no they one's, are so happy. Nobody's painting skinny women. I mean that's not true. I don't want to put down skinny people. A lot of people are skinny. They're not painting them, no. Because there's, <laughs> they're, there's they're too busy no, fucking. <laughs> no need for the paint. But it's also like uh, one of my oldest bits was about that, about how back in the day Michelangelo, you know, would always paint like a big woman. She was happy. She would yeah. have like – her stomach looked like a lip. Yeah, that's right. She would be it holding like a bowl, a, a fat hand holding a, a fruit like that's an it. apple. Because when you think about, like, there's the poster on the subway for the Museum of Sex right now. And what is it? It's a, uh, I, she's not even fat. She's just plump. Plump is the word. Mm-hmm. A plump, blonde woman, so kind of like a Swedish looking thing. It's like a fairy tale. It's Nordic. Running through a field. Oh, yeah. What is going on there? When, when we were kids, they would say, like, that's fertility, like a woman, a naked woman running through a field. Okay, fine. I'll take your word for it. Now that you're older, now that I'm older, I can go, oh, it's blossom. It, it's things are springing. Spring is an erotic time. The earth is being fucked and giving babies all the yeah, time. It's yeah. in the air. So a woman who's well-fed, rosy-cheeked, rosy cheeks make it uh, – this one menstruates. This one ovulates. Mm-hmm. In fact, red lips are, and you know when you go flush is a sign that you are ovulating. So oh, all these synthetic – you join me in Val any night if you want to learn about the <laughs> mysteries of the, of the female. Body, but it's this this idea that that is real shit. I'm not saying you can't be authentically attracted to skinny people. Of course you are. That's life. That's real life stuff. But when you see a plump, red faced woman, I know this kind of excludes you know Indian women, for example, don't get flush in the same way. But I'm just saying these certain cues are in our lizard brains. Mm-hmm. And then not to shit on Vogue, but to shit on Vogue a little bit. Vogue shows up and goes, no. You're it's taking this. the humanness out. That's right. Of the human. But this is yeah. hips, this is ass, this is tits, this is all that stuff. Yeah. And I feel like those women that look that way can be shamed and then even to a much, much lesser, lesser extent. I feel like guys are closeted into like the term like MILFs or, or BBWs, like big, beautiful women. Like what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like why did it become this other category? You got me talking. But it's also like <laughs> – well, but that's I guess why there's this explosion of the Kim Kardashian white woman with the big ass. Yeah. It's probably because I think white women were fed up too. I mean I, I feel like lately it's been this attack on white women for adopting what black women have had. But I think – the other side of it is, and the good side of it is, is that these are white women who are fed up with being culturally smaller, yep. 
that want to celebrate their bodies. Yep. And that's okay. I took a photo uh, of an ad on the subway on the way up here of a woman holding up tangerines to her breasts and was frowning and then holding cantaloupes to her breasts and smiling. And it was for plastic surgery. Oh, wow. And someone had written on it, love the body you have, love yourself. And I, was, and I wasn't the only person that took a photo of it. So there is this lie, another tearing of another veil. And, uh, you know, I, I want people to be healthy and, you know, have clean arteries and all that yeah. stuff. But at the same time, I'm like... Yeah, well, th- that stuff is a lie, and and the the curvy thing isn't a new thing, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not a new thing. I will say, I'm. A, I have become a bit obsessed. I think I I come from my father, who was he was also obsessed with weight mm. and losing it. I think my father was actually anorexic, which is weird. Um, Thank you for not saying manorexic, which is like – Oh, is that a of, term? It's one of the worst things you can say. That just made me sad. Isn't it sad? There's a term called manorexic. No, it's not a term. It's like calling somebody, you know, when you blend words to be funny. But Man, it's just – Like mansplaining? I hate that word. Or whitesplaining. There's a lot Ugh. of splaining happening. There's stuff. Uh, but, I, I just heard like people – somebody just – people love painting broad brush black people. They go, black people are tired of people whitesplaining why they should care about Bernie and civil rights and like what he did. Oh, God. <laughs> somebody – I found the mouthpiece for the entire Jesus. black community. But uh, so, you, so you were saying it was – Yeah. Oh, well, he was just um, – He was anorexic. sort of like Donald Trump in that way. Is Donald about, Trump anorexic? About women and weight. And his own weight. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I was just saying that the other day I'm on um on my show, like when he said that term about um You need to plug your show. What's candy. your show? I was trying not to. I was you like, should. I didn't want to. I heard Keith Robinson and go, are you going to plug your show now? Well, the inner Keith Robinson is easier to silence than the real one. <laughs> you can just go, shake shut a, up. Shake a dang dang. <laughs> I'm taking that. I'm taking it. Shake a dang dang. <laughs> <laughs> he does that all the time. I know. But but what is your part? Go ahead and plug oh, it. Oh, it's Friends Like Us. Friends Like Us. And and what were you saying on Friends Like Us? Donald I was Trump. talking about how it, it, it did tickle me when he said at work, when you were saying wait at work, that one of the women that worked for him who was overweight, he was said to her, well, you know, you, you like your candy. Oh, boy. <laughs> he boy. But, you know, it just it did tickle me. But it's like my dad used to say stuff like that all the time. He was like, you can't be big at the office place. You're going to break the furniture. Oh, boy. And so. I come from some fattists as well. I don't want to I don't want to out who they I are. But I've got, I've got a lot of fattists in my family, yeah. which is funny because I've always been rotund. <laughs> you know what I mean? Soft. I just Did mean. they ever say anything to you? No, I was immune to that sort of stuff. But, you know, what's funny is I had it myself because, you know, kids – pick up pretty quickly. I've talked about very there were only like 15 kids in my class in like 7th 8th grade and I was the fattest one. I don't even think I was fat, but I was the fattest one and that makes you the fat one. So that sort of in a lord of the flies sort of way uh, comes out. Yeah. And I've joked many times that another fat kid joined in 8th grade <laughs> and instead of like joining forces, I was just like, look at how fat he is. You know, like I immediately <laughs> just tried to defer the oh, insults to him. So funny. It didn't work cuz I was still fatter than old Wayne. <laughs> Wayne was not as big as I was. But, you know, I I do think it's interesting. I have guy friends that have that traditionally assigned to female sort of concern about their weight. And I'll even – I'll join you. Having lost some weight for the show, I start to feel that too. So even we believe the lie. You know what I mean? It's like I'm worth it. (laughs) I deserve more smiles. 
I deserve more access. I deserve more sex. I don't know what the fantasy is. It is. It's weird. But in there, you're going, you're goddamn right. It's the weird. The fuck is going on? It's weird. Back to the subway ad. Love your body. But then, as much as I can say that, you lose 10 pounds and you're like, I'm better. Yes. Fuck my face. Even shake a dang. Shake a dang, dang. dang. <laughs> Definitely better. But how did your dad, he, he, did he not eat? He would, he wouldn't, he would fast. For a long time, like a month, maybe sometimes two. He He'd would fast. He would fast, and but still drink alcohol, which was oh. that, that was a, that was when we did notice he was drunk. Um, I imagine but it, so. He would do that thing you were like he would take us. He took us out to eat more. We would go to restaurants. He fed us through, while was he like wasn't he was eating? eating by watching us eat a lot. Oh shit! While he wasn't eating, <laughs> yeah. And he would lose a tremendous amount of weight. Yep. Yeah. There were times when I would look into the bath. I think he was thrown up too, but wow. he, uh, I, I was should, very, I'm sorry to be like entertained by your dad's pain and be like, wow, cool. It's just interesting. That, but yeah, I've never again, heard anything like this. Yeah. It was something that I, again, now that I look back, I go, that was happening. Mm. He had an eating disorder, mm. you know, um, but he was very like into. He said he told me one time it came from rest. Not he didn't tell me he admitted that he had an eating disorder. But he said that he was always sort of obsessed with his body because of uh, weight. Uh, I mean wrestling. Oh uh, well, that'll put it in you. Yeah. Right. In high school, he's, he was a wrestler, and it, it like started there. Wrestling. I'm not trying to be callous here, does seem to be the guy's version of girls' dysfunction. Yeah. Like right around the same time women are kind of getting that like lose five and you'll be a size six or whatever, these guys are wearing gym like garbage bags and trying to sweat out five pounds. Is that – is this necessary? These gentlemen would like to tussle. Do we need to weigh them first? You know what I mean? Can we just let them romp around? It's like theater. It's yeah. like it's just make believe. <laughs> it's like it's, just have fun. What, what yeah. are all these rules? It's not a war and it's not a fight. But if you wear weigh two thirty seven, you can't fight this guy who's two thirty seven. It'd be funny. Someone, where did this rule come in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like did you see Foxcatcher where old Channing Tatum is like it's it's not a huge spoiler, but there's a scene where he he's been training, he's been training, he's been training, and then he binges. Like mm -hmm. I think that's like a normal. I can't say it's normal because yeah. of a movie. But you just caught me believing something because I saw it in a movie. But apparently, <laughs> I hope the people that wrote that script researched it and saw that that's a trend in wrestling. So I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And it affected me because yeah, he would sort of like – if I gained weight, and especially in different points in your life, you put on weight because your body changes and you didn't know. Sure. And you're still eating the same way. Right. Um, but he would say, baby, you, you're getting, you're getting, you've been eating. Oh, boy. You, you've been eating a lot of food. And, then, and it was like, I would be like, Dad, but it never affected me like into tears. I was always like, I could take it. Interesting. Basically. And it was funny because Keith Robinson, again, he's like my pimp in the stories of all of my stories. He would oftentimes tease me about my weight when I, because I gained weight and on and off, on and off. And he would tease me and he said to me, he goes, you know what? You never get angry. You not, I've tried. I've tried to make you mad. It doesn't. I don't know why it doesn't affect you. And I realized it was because my dad used to do that to yeah, me. Yeah. And I was just, I could take it. And then. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's another tricky subject, kind of like the one we started with with Vinny and all that. But it's like, 
my parents arguing, for example. So we would have meals where I would sit there and my dad, I've said this many times, but my dad didn't speak mom and mom didn't speak dad and nobody spoke John, my brother. And I'd be sitting there and I became like the Rosetta Stone, right? So to this day, I pride myself. It's not like I'm not perfect at it, but I am better at trying to empathize because all I did was play the game. If I can empathize, the fight stops. You know what I mean? Dad meant this and mom heard this because dad wasn't thinking of how he phrased it. And mom wasn't thinking of how she sounded when it came back. So I would intervene like Johnny Cochran and go, hold on a second. Dad just meant he's tired. Mom just thought you were talking about the turkey. And then it would go away. So here I am. a lot of pressure on you. Sure. And very unpleasant. But here I am 37. And if I get into a, a conflict, I'm better at making peace because I got this very uncomfortable crash course. To bring it back to you, you're more thick skin. This is certainly a business where you need a thick skin. It actually goes back to the first thing we were talking about, where a guy's telling you the Beatles and the Doors and all these people were here. And it takes a little bit of resilience. There's your dad unintentionally, uh, as we've discussed. But there's a little bit of your dad going, hey, you're eating too much food. Mm -hmm. And you let it bounce off you because you got this unpleasant and something you wouldn't have asked for crash course in how to roll with pain and criticism, right? Yes. So what the fuck do we do? Do we raise our kids badly on purpose? (laughs) I think you just do what you do and they come out. They come out. They'll get fucked up in another way. You know, I have to say... He was extremely funny, and I think that's where I, where it helped me. I mean, mm. he wasn't just an asshole about the weight. He was also very funny about it. That's funny. So, like, there was a point where I had lost a tremendous amount of weight because I, whenever I break up with someone, I lose weight. I love a that. A lot bet. of girls do that. I love that bit, and that's true for me too. Yeah, I, I got, had a bad breakup, lost fifty pounds like in two months, like after <sighs> it, because you're like. I'm back, baby. And I don't even mean in the like, I'm going to have a lot of anonymous sex way. I just was like, oh, I can, all that time I was using, for me, I drink a lot. If, if like things are going badly in a relationship, suddenly I'm like, this will help. <laughs> so you're not, you're not doing air squats when it's over. You're yeah. throwing it back. I get real, I get as bad as I'm going to be. <laughs> Almost like George Costanza on, the, on Seinfeld when he wants to get fired. So he wipes strawberries on Babe Ruth's uniform. I'm like, please break up with me. Look how fat and gross I am. Then they don't, they don't. Finally, I, I break <laughs> up with them. And then I'm like, it's time to only drink kale. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I'll do, which That's is really right. weird. But you, you'll lose weight because you know you're going to bridge to the oh, next relationship. I, well, I, it's. Back then, it was I was really heartbroken, mm. and so I just couldn't eat. It was a bit. It was a big relationship. This was like when I was younger, like right when I left Syracuse, going into New York City, and I lost about. Did they break up with you? They did. Yeah. Uh, well, no. It was like I broke up with them, and then they agreed, but I was just testing it. Oh boy. Yeah, and so I lost. I was like a hundred and twenty pounds, maybe. 119. I'm 5'3. That's not healthy. And then. Um, that's heavy? That's light. It's light. That's like really I was going to say good. that sounded really light. It's really light. And I was, um, I couldn't eat. I just couldn't. And um, my family, like outside of my dad, the rest of them do eat tremendously and are really big. And there was a graduation mm. and um, there was a party and I went to it. And my grandmother saw me and she had tears in her eyes and she said, Baby, what are you doing? 
Oh, my God. She goes, you think this looks good? This does not look good. Oh, shit. And then my aunt said, are you trying to be a model? What do you want to do? Oh. And, I, and, I, and I was already, what they didn't understand was I was already depressed oh, because I was starving myself and I was hungry. Right. And um, I love a quote, by the way, from the movie Food Matters where he goes like, you should be depressed. If you're not getting the nutrients you need, your body is literally depressed and you will feel depressed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If all you get is like, in your case, nothing, or if all you get is empty stuff like sugar and blah, 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 yeah. you're going to be depressed. And that is okay because you're not getting what you need and it's your body's signal hey, we need some, we need life in here. Yeah, if there we're was a give mental, and there was a, it was probably part of anorexia too going on with me, but it was like you, you your mind is not right, mm. and I had Isn't like wild. It's just not you're just not thinking right. Your and signals got crossed. It, it was just horrible. I had someone say, uh, "Was this saying? You know, only thing that loves a, a bone is a dog, mm. baby. You sh- you think that looks good?" And I got <laughs> they made me sad, and I remember my dad driving me away I've never from. Heard this, that. You never I heard get that? it because you're skin and bones. Yeah, the only thing that likes a dog, a uh, bone, is a dog, baby. Right. You know in, that, right? In the white world, we just go looking good, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that expression. We go, good work, Stephanie. <laughs> Show those veins. That's what we say. That is so funny. <laughs> so my dad like drove us away from that party. I remember, and he looked at me, and he saw how sad I was, and he goes. Baby, let me tell you something. Don't worry about all those people telling you. You know, all those people are fat. <laughs> oh shit! They they just overweight, so don't worry about it. But and it it oh sounds it sounds messed up, but it was his trying to make me laugh or make me feel better. It doesn't sound funny right now, but I remember that moment no, of not expecting him to go. Trust me, they got diabetes. And right. They don't know. But he was trying to make me feel okay right. in that moment. But you know what's funny is a lot of traumatic and unwelcome and not good things, uh, not to make this too serious, mm-hmm. especially from a parent, it's that familiar um, scotch or something. It's this thing that isn't good for you, but it's familiar. So here's your dad, and you know you caught it yourself, saying probably the worst thing, but it's in this familiar way that you almost have to be you to understand. Mm-hmm. But I think it's any chance we can get to point out that sometimes abuse feels good because it's familiar. I, I'm not trying to impose some sort of, you should mm-hmm. be sad about this. Mm-hmm. I'm saying for anybody listening, you know, like I, I've talked a little bit about like emotional incest and being overloved. And my mother and I have talked a lot about that and we're at, we're at a very good place. But there was a time when you're like, oh, this is like – crossing a border, a boundary that should have been there, was never put up, and we're doing our best, and it's kind of fucking up my potential to be with other people because I feel like I'm cheating on my mother. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is when I was a young man. But it felt good because it was familiar. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It it, it felt good because it was familiar. It also – it's a – it's my dad recognizing himself. That's right. He's talking and loving himself. And I'm not trying to rob that. But that must have been – you know, it's just it's just so weird when you don't realize your parents are people. That's it. They're people too. That's right. You, 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 it takes a long time to realize, oh, this is no, it takes this fucking, a real guy here. It takes He's fucking not just dad. forever. Yeah. That's why I'm – like to say that I'm in a good place with my mom, I'm very proud of that because there was a period there where it wasn't good. And I'm like, oh my god. 
what if you know people lose their parents and stuff? What if she had died before we figured it out? And what a what a gift it is to have that time. Because I'm 37 and I'm really just putting it together. Like ah shit, they were doing the best they could. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were dealing with a different playing field. I feel like now. The internet and everything, everything's, life seems easier. They were like coming from fucking World War II. It's weird. It's different. Yeah. It was a different thing. Yeah. They were, it's like. But I, your dad was doing the best he Yeah. Could. He was doing. I mean, my dad since his past. But I, I do remember him saying to me one day when I was taking care of him when he wasn't doing well. And he said, baby, you know what? You, you're all right. Mm. And that was like probably the most touching moment because for him to realize probably all the stuff that he's done and 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 he knew he he said cuz he wasn't always there for me and he wasn't always around but when he was around he did tell me later he said I baby I didn't know what I was doing mm. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he said they said one weekend you girls were to stay with me and I was I didn't know what I was doing right you know he had a girlfriend at the time uh that I, it's funny, I just realized this too. <laughs> we didn't know if she was his girlfriend. My dad had uh, dated also uh, a lot of different white, Puerto Rican, black, it didn't matter. I guess that's why I do too. But so his girlfriend at the time was white. Her name was Judy. She was like a second mother to me. But I didn't know that was his girlfriend. I thought that was just Nurse Judy. Oh, wow. He called her Nurse. He said, this is Nurse Judy. I mean, that's enough of a smokescreen to confuse an adult. (laughs) I don't know what their relationship is. I would go home to my mom, and she was like, well, where did you get this from? I go, Nurse Judy. Wow. She goes, who's, what? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Who is Nurse Judy? That's funny. That's funny. But strange. You're trying to figure out the world, and there's this woman. like, there's this woman at the table. We're eating spaghetti. Nurse Judy's over there. Hey, Nurse Judy. Oh, man. Then after a while, then you see Nurse Judy's, like, also sleeping in the room with Dad, and you're like, I don't think she's just Nurse Judy. Did you put it together? I put it together. (laughs) No one went. (laughs) She's a wet nurse. (laughs) (laughs) And she was never, she wasn't a nurse at the time. I mean, she had it as an occupation, I think, maybe before. Sure. Oh, Wow. My dad was so funny. Right. I'm glad. It sounds like you started to see him as a person. Yeah. And you sometimes you, I'll see movies about dads or hear stories about dads, and you're like, that's almost unbelievable. And then you really have to own the fact that, for better or worse, human beings do things that almost make no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind make of no. all the time. Yeah. That's what keeps us interesting, is you never know. Someone might just like completely not show up to a birthday party and you're like, Dad, why didn't you do that? This didn't happen to either of us. I'm just yeah. like, why did you do that? And it's like, I don't fucking know because I'm a guy and I'm stuck in here and I'm me all the time. And on that day, the right combination of things happen and thoughts happen. And I saw a baby that looked like my grandfather and then I started crying and I didn't come. You know what I mean? You don't know what it was because it's so much more complicated being in these things than we act like it is. Yeah. Going back to the roles that we're playing, you're like, no, I'm dad. I've assumed the role of dad. Yeah. And I have the sides and I'm supposed to say things like, this then your dad starts improvising and then what's your dad's first name lee and then lee starts creeping back in lee and frank frankly that sounds like an assassin i'm gonna be honest with you (laughs) they call him frank frank but then that guy who he was he was frank so much longer than he was your dad when you first showed up Mm -hmm. so you're at odds with those two things i have to imagine yeah you can't just slip into dad full time yeah or not easily it it it's hard when you realize, and then you think like even my mom, she had 
three kids when she was 28. And I think about that. And I'm mm. like, I couldn't. Wow. Mm-hmm. At 28, I think I was just learning how to wear jeans right. I was still dressing poorly <laughs> at 28. <laughs> and then these people start governing three kids. Yeah. Lives. Insane. Real people. Right. Human beings that have to grow up and they, do stuff. They give them to you at, I was going to say at the airport, at the hospital. <laughs> and you go home and you have it. Here's your hot cloth and here's your daughter. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you want to have uh, babies? Um, I do and I don't. I think it's too late. It's I'm too in late. my 40s. Oh, somebody so. looks good. Thank you. <laughs> you even referenced that in your set. You're yeah, like, I, I aged, aged well. well. You did. Yeah, and it's true. It's I, at right. l- My last boyfriend's mother <laughs> did not like me because she didn't know how old I was. And when she found out, she thought I was la- actually younger uh, just by looking at me. And then when she found out, she was just like, she freaked out. Really? Yeah, she was not. In what not, way did she freak out? This was the second young guy. I combined them in my routine, by uh-huh, the way. Sure. Because, so that no one takes we'll it We'll accept personal. a blend. Oh, my best friend in the world is calling. She never calls me. You want to get it? Go ahead. It'll be interesting. Really? Okay. Go ahead. She's uh, Isis. Unfortunately. What are you doing? Yeah, her name's Isis. Yeah, that's no good. I'm on a very popular podcast, the Pete Holmes podcast. Oh! Does that mean you're busy or? Well, I just thought he said it would be interesting if I picked up. She said you never call, so I said answer it just in case it's uh, important. Why are you not yeah. talking? You always talk. <laughs> I yeah, but now I'm now I you shouldn't have told me. I was ready to say all sorts of things about my marriage and child, but now I feel Is everything All right, well, I look, I love you a lot. Are you in Chicago? A lot, a lot. Why does she sound like Rachel I am Feinstein? In Chicago. You are in Chicago because I have similar friends. <laughs> you all have the same personality. He said you sound like Rachel Feinstein. Yeah, I always get mistaken for a, that specific um, group. Yeah. But no. You've never been this appropriate ev- in your <laughs> life. She is being so appropriate. She is the most yeah. inappropriate person I know in the world. Normally when she calls, she's well, you know declaring you a jihad. Know something? Is that it, a bad joke to me? It's, it's a very lonely day. I'm feeling pretty vulnerable. Oh, boy. I'll call you so, later. I, I love you. Goodbye. You're... I'll call you later. I love you too. Bye. <laughs> Change your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her name is Isis. Well, that's really unfortunate. In Isis, Puerto Rican, the Poyacana. My um, dad used to love her too. I love her. <laughs> you were talking about babies. Oh, what what was the freak out like when they realized you're in your forties? Oh, How do you get mad they... at someone for their age? Well, because he was actually 17 years younger than me. I thought you were going to say he was 17. No, but she was – and I think she was mad because she didn't think he was developed enough to be my boyfriend, which I understand that as a mother. I guess I could understand, like, if you're raising this child that you know, like we've just talked about, you're developing a human being. And then sure. you see this woman who is probably closer to you in age and knows the things that you know. You're going – Get away from my son, please. Um, and I understood that. And I think it was very complicated because um, she, I think she really liked me. And then she felt like it was just not going to work. And mm. But they, she was just very 
involved in the relationship, unlike my other young boyfriend. Mm-hmm. The other young boyfriend that I had was only 11 years younger than me. So he, his mother was fine. She was a treat. Really? Yeah, she was like uh, very – she was like – she would say honestly things that were on her mind. It was always inappropriate. I loved her for it. Um, and she was what I actually based a pilot on because mm. she was so much fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Irish, honest. <laughs> she was like, oh, Marina. She, she finally like put that. you in Dancing in Lunata. <laughs> yeah, she finally, finally got the part. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love how people can – you're so good. <laughs> what, it remember? You're good, Pete. I would never have done that as a host. I'm so jealous. Like, then I throw out a commercial. We'll be right back. There are no commercials. <laughs> that was good. So you had a pilot about dating a younger man and yeah. having a relationship with the mom? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, because they were such a fun family, the first one. The second yeah. one, not so much. Not so much The second much fun. one was just like not fun. There are a bit of celebrities. They're, they've, they've been – the father's kind of well-known. Really? Yes. Are you allowed to mm, – I probably shouldn't say. Mm. People out there who can put it together on Google do that. So you dated the son of a famous person. Yes. Ah. Famous, famous, famous person who was I know I couldn't date the actual I'm just going to picture Bobby person. Flay you dated B, B. Flay Jr. <laughs> that's who I'm going to oh, picture let's do that let's do the that the meals were amazing but yeah the mom was very um, used to getting her way uh huh and a very like you know wealthy this is the second mom yeah, the second uh-huh. mom, very wealthy. We were just talking about that. Can can I speak to that a little bit? It's interesting. Oh God, I, I've actually given myself the note that I have to stop about stop talking about how I'm a vegan. It comes up so many episodes, and I do apologize, but I want to make this point. That's good. I'm a vegan. My set, the set of the show of my of the show that we're doing, is decidedly not vegan. And then I was saying to Val, I was like, it's weird that they're grilling burgers constantly at work, just constantly, and here I am being like. I don't like animals being tortured, but I'm paying for those burgers. Not me, but you know what I mean? The production is paying for the burgers. The burgers exist. And then I was like, I didn't think I was going to do this for a second, but I was like, am I supposed to be like, we should have more vegan food? And then we're like, no. As soon as you start to control everything, Mm. believing your own hype, becoming like you're saying for this rich person, I don't want to impose this person with that, but it's that temptation of how I see things is how everyone should see things. And yeah. you should be nervous around me. And you should bend to me. And then it's me and you're the other. You know what I mean? There's the crew and they're not vegan. Okay, that's completely fine. I love these guys. These are close friends of mine that I work with. And then, I, But if I start seeing them as other and I go, but we should have more tofu. And now some fucking guy... Like Donnie, who I love from Staten Island, has to eat a not dog because. Can you have I the option for you? You certainly no. It's not about what I can eat. There's plenty oh, for me okay. to eat. But you know, if what I if you just did it overall. But it, what I'm saying is a yeah. glimpse of something kind of foul. I, I I pride myself on not being that type of person. But if you talk about the wife of a famous person who starts to. It gets in your blood, that having it your way. And that's what we're talking about with Robin Williams at the table. You and I both know Judd, and there's something glorious about someone who's so powerful. Judd was always really cool, and by just the way. A yeah. cool per- like a cool fucking person You're right. who isn't going around going, don't eat that around me. <laughs> or, it or whatever. Be, it should be like this. This is it my the, world. You're just living in it. It was that's the ugliest moment I've ever had in a relationship. With this woman? 
I actually details. Yeah, I, <laughs> 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 oh, it's it's a story. I want it. I mean, you don't have to. I, I don't mean, want you to it's, I will say. See, the more details I give, the more people start guessing and figuring it out. Sure, but it is like just change. I will I mean, say this: she's a white woman. Uh huh. You know, because if I am going to date young and make it inappropriate, I've got to do it with white people. Double ta- um, double taboo. Is that uh-huh, what you're saying? Double taboo. <laughs> of course, I don't believe it to be a taboo. Just, I'm just ruining saying. the world. Yeah. With my black vagina. I do see that. Um. Like, <laughs> I've seen I, I black female friends of mine get reverse catcalled with the like. You don't date brothers, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy because I do, and yeah. it's like uh, you should wear a shirt that says "I also date black men." Whenever you're, which with. is a line, by the way, I wanted to put in that set, and I took it out because it was just really? too. It was too um, not clear. I think you did mention that you date black men. Yeah, I say it in the tone, uh, but I actually ha- I used to say it as a line. It's funny, like you date one white guy, and they think you don't date brothers. I do, you know. Right, right, right. The economy's getting better. But, That's such um, a funny joke. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it is true, and it's like, I date whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, you're the woman that played Huckleberry Finn. You yes, date it. <laughs> I should wear that, too. <laughs> but you're, you're clearly open-minded. I, you're still in the sandbox. Yeah. You're playing with blocks, and you're going, this is Versailles. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I could have picked anything. Versailles, Versailles? was a weak choice. It's no. a building. <laughs> so go on. So I, this isn't. This isn't uh, Stern or something where I'm trying to get something salacious out of you. Oh, oh, okay. I do want to know what happened with, with this woman well, emotionally. She, I will say, I think at one point she got furious because she wasn't invited to something, let's say. Okay. She was left out. Of something you did. Something that he put together. He put it together, okay. He put a comedy show together. Okay. And she was not invited. I'm sorry, is this the son or the husband? I'm this so is sorry. the son. The son put a comedy show together. The son put this. Did not yes. invite this mother. Yes. Uh huh. And it caused an uproar because she wasn't invited and she doesn't talk to her. her well, okay, I can't say that. Damn yeah. It. Sure. There's certain things I'm trying to be careful, but it sparked a lot in her emotionally. And then all of a sudden, and I didn't really know it was that much, right? I find out, get this. They live in the Hamptons. Okay. I live in Harlem on 117th Street. Up on I go to my hair salon to go get my – not that my hair did. I go to talk to Paula, who I love at the hair salon. Things just got more Harlem-y. <laughs> Paula You're saying knows. hair did and now you're – the tone, I'm trying is, to, I'm trying the tone to, has changed. I'm try, yeah, I know. Now I get like, my, you, like you said in your act. Bilingual. I can, I'm bilingual. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I'm walking in the hair salon. Paula has met my boyfriend. She knows his father. Mm-hmm. She also knows a, a famous basketball player that comes in that knows his father. Okay. All of a sudden, she goes to me. She says, Marina. How's everything going with that boy? I said, it's fine. Why? She goes, okay, I need I, you need to tell me the truth because if anything happens, you know, I got your back. I go, what are you talking about? She goes, you know, I had a fight with this famous basketball player's wife who comes into my hair salon because your boyfriend's mother was talking to her about how she's not happy with your relationship with her son. Oh, God. I'm like, I'm in Harlem. What it got the hell? all the way from the Hamptons. They import more than fine cheese now. 
they import gossip. They, <laughs> it is gentrified yeah. and gentrified. <laughs> so they tied it to a pigeon. I had no idea though. I thought Holy I was fine. Shit, wow. That is juicy. I walk out of the hair salon in Harlem. I'm like shaking because now I'm realizing this woman doesn't like me. I thought she did. Mm. I'm confused by it. I call my boyfriend. I said, what's going on? Did your mom not like me? I didn't know this. This is really upsetting to me. I thought we were cool. I thought mm-hmm. I talked to your mom. I thought everything was fine. I know she was upset about the show, but what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, and he had to admit that he lost a lot of privileges, like a parking space. Excuse? In New me. York City. <laughs> they took stuff away? They took stuff away. Can I say, as someone who used to be on my parents' teat way longer than I ought to have, Back with my wife, probably part of the reason we split up, there would be negotiations as to like who's coming for Christmas and Thanksgiving and money. We didn't have parking spaces in Manhattan, but there was always this sort of like, hey, play ball. It's that Cosby thing. Like, it's, it's the, really it's the not, Judd it's bit. A, like, it's probably the ugliest people thing quiet, I've ever. Yeah. It's gross. It's gross. It's very gross. So uh, he's feeling the pressure, just like very typical rich person bullshit. He's getting the screws put to him with stuff. This is like a Jane uh, Jane Austen novel. Yes. You know what I mean? It feels Victorian. It felt so Victorian. Yeah, yeah. And I was like – and a part, part of me was thrilled by that too, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> was your bosom heaving? I was like, like were you fanning yourself? This is yourself? my new monologue. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was like – and that's what Paula meant when she said, you know, you go out to the Hamptons, make sure nothing happens to you. You mean physically? Yeah, she was worried about me. Who? Yeah, like she thought I was going to be another one of those stories. Can I just say? You know, the, the whole Hampton story about the mother getting rid of the girlfriend in, no. the, in the Hamptons. There was like a whole movie. They did a series on it, yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. the Jinx? I forget. And I don't remember the name of it, but it was like a rich, yeah, the, some rich in the in the Jinx, the, yeah. It's and they the found Jinx. the wife, and yeah, the Jinx, yeah. His, his girlfriend, I think. Yes, Robert Durst. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, was it Robert? Dur- no, no, no. no. This is a different story. That wasn't a girlfriend. He was like a realtor. It was. So, it was horrible. It, it is kind of weird that people in Harlem are like, look out for those people in the Hamptons. Traditionally, wouldn't you say that it's people in the Hamptons going, don't go to Harlem. Oh, oh yeah, and she did that too, but I was like, you're the problem. And I also thought, yeah. I'm not saying that's correct, by the way. I'm just saying, typically. You're right. right. Yeah, it was, it's, 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 it's a backwards. Good, it's backwards, it's funny, it's a good story. It's yeah. just interesting that right. it reached that far. And So they were concerned for your safety that you would be like swept away, kind of like, mm-hmm. look, it's, it reminds me of this. I wonder how much race was a thing. I don't mean to stoke the fires. Here. I wonder too, and I asked often, and he said no because they, they they pride themselves on being around black women and all this stuff. Anybody, you know, you know anybody. anyone who does that. By the way, I always I'm oh, my eye gets a little suspicious on them. Right. Whenever they have to say, you know, when I was young, I hung out with black people. I'm like, sure, okay, yeah. Thanks for telling me. I just wanted you to know. Links. I do that. my Def Jam white guy voice. I want you to know, Marina. <laughs> I love hanging out with black people all the live long day. I always hope that my white girl voice is not the oh, death great. jam. Oh, it's great. You know, I noticed it. That's why I say that when I say at the end, it's mine. It's like really oh, yeah, yeah. A different. There's a different voice that I use for no, it's super fun. different neighborhoods. It's super fun. <laughs> like I said, you when watch... I'm talking to Paula. I'm like, Paula. Yeah. Can I – there are people <laughs> – when I talk to Donnie, 
uh, I use my Boston accent. Donnie's the guy from Staten Island. Sounds mm-hmm. enough like Boston. I love merging with people. And when I, if I'm with a, a black friend who has more of a, what do we call it? Do we say urban accent? What do we say? That Paula sound. Region? <laughs> Regional. I don't even know what the fuck to say. Your but what I'm is saying so is regional, Paula. Uh, <laughs> all I want to do, and you watch white people. I watch white people subtly merge. Mm-hmm. It starts with the handshake. You know what I mean? If we're doing a soul shake, next thing you know, just like we co-opt everything, we want to co-opt the fun. I'll tell you what I mean specifically is like right, like saying things like yeah. right. It's not really black. It's southern. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like the way that people talk in the South. That's sort of like. And by the way, I've okay. never had a problem with it. Right. Like a lot of people have a, a problem okay. with that, and they're like, "It's just, uh, it's almost like an acceptance and a love, and it's also like a blending into sure communication." Gay men adopt black women constantly. Yes, I know. Girl, black men love hey. Valerie, who feels very. I don't. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. She feels very spiritually connected to black women, like African women. And then she's like, "I think I love black gay men too because they love black women as much as I do." That's sort of like like Ooh, you're saying, girl. "Hey, you're gonna go out and eat all those Cheetos, okay?" You know what I mean? Like that is fun. It's, it's fun. fun. When I hang out, one of my best friends, Brent Sullivan, he's a gay man. When we're together, I only talk gay because it's fucking fun. <laughs> and I I always say, like, I hope this is all right. But like I do it too. He just he does all these things. That I become are so a black fun. woman when I'm with gay men. I know. <laughs> I know. It's fun. And if I was talking to Carlton and he was like, I'd want to do some of that too. Yeah. It's just a it just happens. I enjoy Valerie is that way too. When she talks to her friend Annie, they both start talking the same way. And I know, because I'm with Valerie all the time, that it's Valerie adopting Annie. You know what I mean? And I'm one of those people too. Yeah. I've said many times when I go home, I speak in a Boston accent the entire time. I don't have one because I like that. You like it. And when I worked and at Bennigan's, everyone was – I hate to use the term non-white. It's so fucking – I don't know how else to say it. It was all Puerto Ricans and blacks and all this stuff. Other. Uh, there were other. Yeah. <laughs> other. It's other and et cetera was yeah. there. <laughs> it was a good miscellaneous. <laughs> but, you know, there were some white people. But, like, it was fun to kind of, like – just slip into it. See, see if you can pass. You know, yeah. with can I get away with this? Mm-hmm. I can. Ah, we're better friends now. It's just fun. Yeah, it's it's. I think where people get upset, and I get it, is when it becomes used and people um, celebrate the ones that aren't that authentically more than the ones that are that. And I get mm-hmm. that whole thing, but I think what's missing, and I do think that most black people don't mind it. It's just they. The conversation is missing that they don't mind it mm. as much as that it's the anger comes from when it's like an Elvis was right. it here with the most, but he never, you know, the Elvis adopting blues from black people, but not acknowledging that that's where he got it from. Reference? Yeah, that was. <laughs> I knew it was. I, I just wanted you to think. was a hero to most. First of all, uh, it's, a, it's a good impression. And, <laughs> and it's a well-known lyric. <laughs> And I wanted you to know that I was cool. It's not that's, every day that I get to be And by the way, cool. that's the only one I know. For sure. I'm not that I only good. know that in Cold Lampin', the one that Flavor Flav got to do. Oh, so good. He wasn't as good as he wanted him to be. I know. <laughs> so I was like, why isn't he the front guy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't that good. So funny. Uh, where were we? What were we saying? Oh, co-opting black culture. Yeah, co-opting. But it's... 
Next thing you know, though, you got Chet Hayes, Tom Hanks' son, saying he should be able to say the N-word and stuff. And you're like, it is interesting that we do like people to earn it in some way. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're on a pirate ship, don't start saying Shiver Me Timbers right away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Why not, though? That's so funny. (laughs) You know, it's a big moment when you're swapping the deck, swabbing the deck, and you throw out your first Shiver Me Timbers. It's cold out here. And the other pirates just go like, ar, 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 ar. Oh, that's a big moment. That's outstanding. <laughs> but don't do it on the first day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> it's so funny if they did it on the first day. Uh, <laughs> hey, shiver me timbers. So Great to joy. be here. <laughs> uh, well, what, we, we have about – what time is it? This is the, my backup recording. Okay, so we have about 20 – well, we have, we have a little bit here. Is there anything you would be – we always talk about God at the end. But I don't know if we've put a, enough pins in God. what we've been talking about. I know. The meaning of life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your life philosophy. Oh. What are we doing here? Well, let's just talk about it. It came up in my own awkward way. Uh, were you raised a certain faith? I was not. Well, <laughs> okay. uh, it's always funny what I did. Um, I'm smelling a Jehovah's Witness. What's going on? No, I <laughs> – no, never that. Yeah. Um, but I was, my mom was Catholic, uh-huh. but I didn't really understand or know it. She never went to church. My grandmother. <laughs> Hold on. We need to talk about that for an hour. I didn't know what she was doing. Your mom was a secret Catholic? Yeah, well, she was. <laughs> That's amazing. She's... She just never brought it up. Your dad. I saw pictures of her. I saw her like, uh, what is that thing they <laughs> or, do? I don't know. Communion or something like Taking that. Taking a communion. When they yeah. have the, the, the stuff. A veil? Yeah, she had like a veil or something. I don't know. I don't know either. Your dad's not drinking water and your mom, you pick up her glass and like rosary beads fell out. (laughs) But yeah, she was Catholic, but she never raised me Catholic, I I guess I should say. My grandmother was So she was like, this ends with me. Yeah, this ends. And then... Your grandma was Baptist. My grandmother was the major religious force. Was she the sweet one that said, baby, you don't look good? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, Grandma Moot. Grandma Moot. Grandma Moot. Moot. Because you couldn't argue with her. Is it, Oh, her name wasn't Moot? No, that was her nickname. Because it was a Moot Point? Yes. I love it. Moot. My grandfather named her that. We had no fun. That's not true. I had an Uncle Stoney. His name was Uncle Tony. We called him Uncle Stoney. That's all I got. <laughs> Aunt Moot. Moot. Grandma Moot. Grandma Moot. Is better. Yeah. And so, she was tough. She was real tough. And was Southern. she... Uh, what kind of Jesus person was she? Baptist. Yeah, but I mean, like, how did it manifest in her life? Was she don't cuss around me? Was she no? She cursed a lot. Ooh, oh, moody, moody. She didn't say the f word. Look, I say f word. She didn't like. Um, yeah. She didn't curse like that. She called us the n word all the time. Can I say that on here? You can say it. Oh, because the way she said it was it was hysterical. Please, but it was never please. like. Please, I'm like, please say it. <laughs> <laughs> she used to wake us up in the morning. And she's like, nigga, get your ass up. Yeah. Nigga, get up. And you would get up. Yeah. you were like, if you hear it that way, you're not going to stay in bed. Uh, <laughs> but um, what it, that's kind of interesting, though. I mean, that's not what I was hoping for. She's the opposite I of what was, she was in church. I used to do it on stage a lot. What, that I used to talk about her in the church. And yeah. Because she was <laughs> – she would gossip about everyone in church. Huh. She, she would, This woman would give us candy and I would be like, Grandma, that was so sweet. She's like, damn Jezebel. Got all that makeup on in church. You ain't know that nigga ain't supposed to wear that makeup on in church like that. Oh my God. <laughs> Can I have this, Grandma? 
That's amazing. Yeah. And uh-huh. she's just got that sass and that mm-hmm. sideways looking, calling her a biblical burn, calling her a Jezebel. Jezebel. Woo! Jezebel. Not Bathsheba. She went Jezebel. Jezebel, straight to it. <laughs> um, but yeah. so it wasn't, uh, it, she wasn't necessarily the ethic police. She wasn't trying to have you be like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. She didn't want us to wear makeup. I, the first time I wore makeup, that's when Jezebel, I got called Jezebel. Oh, boy. I was just playing in the bathroom. That was her get out. her done. Yeah, that was, she was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. She couldn't wait. She was kind of happy when she's like, okay. Jezebel. She's like, dude, look at you. You just want to get out there and Jezebel looking like that. Take that oh stuff Oh, my off God, Marina, you should be so much more fucked up. <laughs> oh, she was fun. She <laughs> you was think so all of it's funny. so fun. She was a funny woman. You're you're being like makeup shamed. You're oh, being weight shamed. Oh, it was great. You seem so well adjusted. Yeah, well, it was weird. You it, might very well be, by the way. Yeah, it was just grandma. But this is what my therapist says. She says it's you. You just came out, okay, huh? But um, <laughs> my grandma was really like a tough woman. I yeah. mean, like she picked cotton in Mississippi. Her father used to beat her. You know, she moved to Chicago. Her marriage was arranged. Um, my grandfather was a sharecropper, you know, he shined shoes on the south side of Chicago, he used to shine Elijah Muhammad shoes, got a barber shop, that was the trade, the had his own business, the Honorable Elijah <laughs> Muhammad. I knew, I knew Muhammad Ali through my grandfather. You did not. I knew his, well, no, I didn't know him, I knew his, I had his nanny. I had a Muslim nanny because oh of God. him. I had the exact same nanny that his twin daughters had. Get oh, out of town. They know our granny. That's a movie that features, sorry, like you know what movie I'm talking about, but Will Smith's Ali features Jamie Foxx drinking water out of a glass and it's vodka. What are you going to do with these things? They did take my grandfather's <laughs> salon for the movie. Really? Mm-hmm. They, they changed into a bakery. There's a scene in that Ali movie where it looks like a bakery and cake. Uh-huh. It's my grandfather's hair salon. Get out of my face. Uh-huh. On That's the south fun. side. Yeah. That's fun. Because it's historical. It's a historical spot. And so yeah, yeah. my grandmother, what I, she took us to Salem Baptist Church, which I found out recently on Facebook. I wish I had, someone had told me this. Mahalia Jackson used to sing there. So it's a real... Oh. Um, original from the roots of Mississippi Southern Black Baptist Gospel Church. Hmm. Um, the soulful singing there Vinny's was there. Like- Vinny from the Colbert Show is telling <laughs> you know who sings on this stage. <laughs> See, that one's good because that, that was like two really, hours that ago. Was really good. That was really fantastic. I knew if you liked dancing at Lunacy, you'd like that one. Vinny shows up in my in my past. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking back, it was him. <laughs> he was Vinny. Mahalia Jackson. But uh, it was very spiritual. And um, I think that's where I got a lot of my my rhythm and my soul from. I even say it on stage when I do the bit. When I say I grew up in a white neighborhood, but my grandmother always kept me rooted in my soul. Mm. And that's because on the when I would go to my grandmother's house on the weekends, she would implement back into it. All of the blackness and the mm. soul. I mean, they would clap, and I was terrified. Ha. In church, there was all this rhythm that I wasn't used to. Yes, yes. And I was like, do I clap? That's funny. Do I clap, Grandma? Yeah. And then one time I did, she said, oh. baby, you know you don't do that. Do what? 
clap and stuff. She didn't want you to clap? But she just knew it wasn't me. Oh, she was no. like, that's, baby, you, 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 you're trying to. You were, your whole adolescence was playing the game Operation, and you kept <laughs> touching the sides. Can I clap? And I'm hoping it's a story where she's like, yes, clap. Well, she, this she, is what we do. She would, I, she would let me do it, but she was just sure. amused by it. Again, I mean, uh, yeah. it's funny how you interpret these traumas. And I kind of like it. I, I don't kind of like it. I do like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's interesting. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. The way that you say that's where you got in touch with some of your blackness for mm-hmm, Latina. That's not mm-hmm. how you said it. But, you know, uh, Malcolm X talked about the most segregated hour in uh, all of America is noon on Sunday. Have you heard that? Mm-mm. I think it's really interesting, though. One of the ways... I, I forget where I saw this. It was an old, old video. I'm blanking on who it was that said it. But one of the ways that black people would be like, here's how I know I'm not being treated as a first-class citizen. And this video is from the 60s. Unfortunately, I think, of course, there's still a long ways to go. Mm -hmm. But he was like, look at church. We all split off into teams. You know what I mean? And and politics and all these. And then even Chicago is a very segregated city. It's weird how we keep doing this while we're acting like it's not happening. Well, church, the place where we gather and commune and learn and mourn and get married and die, black church, white church. And as somebody, I I used to go to church in Mattapan from time to time. I don't know how familiar you are with Boston, but Mattapan, predominantly black. Loved it. It was great. It was great. It was so weird to have like seven white guys in this little area. But I wonder what it keeps us from, we're blending so many other things, talking about co-opting. Black church is way more fun than white church. And white church, because... But there was one white church that was fun that I went to. And uh-huh. that's where I accidentally got baptized. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me everything. Why am I talking? Why am I telling this stupid story when you got accidentally baptized? What did you do? You fall in the pool? <laughs> I say it, but it probably wasn't that. It was just... You? It, it was a white church. Yeah. It was Baptist, so it had the same culture. Uh-huh. And it was a white preacher. And Did he, he had, have flavor? He had flavor. Yeah. He was a former Hell's <laughs> Angel. Ooh, I love a good testimony. That was his story. He didn't just show up out of seminary. He <laughs> killed a man. <laughs> <laughs> and he sang. He had the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. Uh. And he would always say, are you co- come? You know how they say... Are you going to come this Sunday? Are you going to come as you are? Come? Yeah. You mean it merge into the song too? And then, yeah, and then you'd walk up and then they'd ask you if you want to get baptized. Yeah. And I never, I was always like, I can't this week. And then eventually, <laughs> I'm busy. But then eventually it got me, his voice, yeah. the music, and yeah. no one was there. I would go by myself to church because you get on the bus. I became extra religious at this church specifically, what? and I was even to the point where if I fought, if someone wanted to fight with me in school, I'd go, God is on my side. Oh, my God. I was like 12. and um, I would do stuff like that. I was just it, – it, Because it you didn't know what me. to do. You knew, you're, you knew you were in it. And then kids are so – kids are idiots. They're like farting with their armpits. And then I would be like, I believe in Jesus Christ. Like I would do stuff like that. Yeah. That was I, me. Yeah. And I remember my friend – uh, uh, it was a black guy. 
<laughs> I, I wanted to double down because when I told you his name was Malik, you would have known he was a black guy, and I wanted to make sure you knew that I knew that it was weird that I was yeah. doing the thing. There's nothing worse than saying Malik yeah. and not addressing it. Malik and, and uh, Camille, uh, and they were both, I remember it was this weird thing where they were Christian too. They, I don't know what they are now. And they were like, I was really impressed by that. and Because kids are looking for, we're spending all this time in church devoting our hearts to this thing. And then you get out into camp or the schoolyard or whatever. And mm-hmm. where does it go? Yeah. So you end up just yelling things during things fights. Things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I relate to that. And then there was a weekend yeah. where all of a sudden I was scheduled for the baptism. Yeah. And I don't think I told anybody in my family. No. Yeah. Wow. I remember. Yeah, I didn't tell anyone. And you got Hell's Angel baptized? <laughs> Was he wearing the denim jacket? <laughs> Did the patch get wet? Did he dunk you? Immersion? He dunked me, yeah. Full immersion. Yeah. Arms crossed? The whole thing. Hold your nose? I, sh- I just, I don't remember holding yeah, my I nose. I just remember nose. the full immersion. Yeah. I remember the, the, the area where they dunked people. Was it in a it baptismal? Behind, or in a, it's like a, like a thing, like a bath thing behind the podium. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. That's and, how um, I did it, too. And then I... Think I told my mom like the next like maybe a week later. Oh yeah, I was baptized. She goes, Why did you, you come home wet? And she said you didn't. What is what wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just did that. You didn't tell me. You didn't tell anyone. I you... know why you wouldn't tell Grandma Moot, but I'm your mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's how I did it. Wow. So you felt a. Uh, I, I'm not trying to coerce you into being like you are spiritual, but you felt a yearning. You felt. I felt a yearning. Yeah. It's hard to not. It's like walking in Memphis. It's like, are you Christian? And he's like, ma'am, I am tonight. You can't. They, no atheists in foxholes. No atheists in black churches. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm talking about that type of service. Obviously, this it was a white guy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about that style, the music and gospel. And you're just like, oh, why is this getting me? The unison and the agreement of the choir, the sweat of the preacher. And you're just yeah. like, if you can put... Your brain aside, and I'm not saying you can't have your brain there. I'm just saying if you came in with beliefs that didn't vibe with this and just watched it for what it was, you you very well might have some sort of spiritual experience and find yourself accidentally baptized. Yeah. <laughs> and where are you now? I'm I'm just spiritual. What is that? How does that look? It, I don't – I guess I'm a little mad. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad at God. How's that? I don't think I'm mad at. Maybe I'm more mad at Jesus. Specific. Yeah, that's nice. I'm. I'm. You know what it is. <laughs> Be specific. God's okay. God's everywhere. Jesus is not everywhere. Um, yeah. It's, what do you mean? I, I guess I've had some things happen in my life where I just don't. It's it's very difficult to explain right now where I'm at with religion, but I don't trust it as much as I used to. I trust. You know what I do trust. I trust uh, people. What if who you went a loaded spiritual. forty-four, and then you took it out and put it on the table? I'm like, Marina, <laughs> the fuck is going on here? You can't have a gun. And here's your baptism, bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what I trust. <laughs> Suddenly you're smoking. But yeah, I'm going through a little phase. But I no, I get it. Can I yeah. hypothesize? Yeah. When you have tragedy, for example, my divorce. Blah blah blah. I'm a vegan. I was divorced. <laughs> I only have so many things. But a big betrayal for me was, hey, I was on Team Jesus, and the way it was sold to me was, as long as I'm, it's almost like mafia protection money. It's like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, and then something goes sideways, 
And I'm like, hey, that wasn't the deal. Especially, I'm interested in how you differentiated God and Jesus. Jesus, I'm wondering, that is like your buddy. That's your personal guy. He's your contact to the big cheese. So you can be more mad at the, I'm not saying imaginary friend, but the one that you're communing with and talking with and praying personally to. And then you can withhold God as the bigger bigger universe energy. I'm not saying theologically I necessarily am there now, but I understand Jesus was the one that was supposed to be with you. Yeah. Is that what it He's is? He's supposed to be the friend that forgave the sin, we forgave. And I, you know, it's, I guess what it is also, it's, it's more of like, I just, I like everything. And I, I've seen religion tear people apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the differences of religion, like Judaism and Buddhism and, and, you know, Jehovah. Like, I don't, like, there's been times when I've thought about converting to being, like, Jewish. Like, mm. I have no problem with that at all. I almost find it better at mm. times. And so I'm not really clear on is are we really that's divided like you were saying and certainly and, certainly and it's not. created so much you know it's funny so I don't adopt anything Joseph Campbell whom I'm obsessed with uh, was this guy who taught about world mythology mm. and uh, he says you should study the texts and stories of other religions the other than the ones you were raised with because you have a better chance of understanding them because you won't have the emotional baggage associated with them from being raised with them. So when I hear you being tugged to towards Judaism or when I see a lot of my Christian friends, I was raised Christian, becoming Buddhists or myself becoming like whatever the fuck it is I am now, it makes perfect sense because we have these feelings. And as much as we'd like to say we have control over these feelings, they're more like vibrations and hums and inner swirls of purple and blue that we don't know where to put. They need to go somewhere. We can lose our faith, Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily always lose that urge to have somewhere to put the mystery. And one of my favorite quotes about God is that uh, God is the name of the blanket we put over the mystery to give it shape, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that nice? We put it over it, and now we can see the blanket. The blanket isn't it. The blanket is the framing device to help us go, it's over there, and we can look at it and worship it or study it or whatever we need to do with it, but it's not really it. And I, I recently posted on my Facebook page this, this video about how God isn't Jewish, God isn't Muslim, God isn't a Christian. All of these things are devices that point us. All of these things are practices and traditions that point us to the thing that you can never fully get to. But you being like, maybe I'll be Jewish. Yeah, fucking go for it. We don't get anywhere without committing to something, even though we know that on some level it's probably errant. It ha- we know that it has flaws. We know that the Catholic Church has flaws. We know that Buddhism has had flaws, has had false prophets and stuff. But one of the things that I've been lately r- wrapping my brain around is the committing is the thing. The committing to the imperfect system can take you to a more perfect place, even though intellectually you know this isn't. Nothing is 100% correct. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. Weird. But what happened? So what are you? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think all of those things are – I think it it, it rolls back now since we've talked about how I started with theater theater and playing um, Huckleberry Finn. I think I've just always been all inclusive. (laughs) Yeah. But that (laughs) – when you were saying that, that felt spiritual to me. Yeah. It's like – I get Obama 
going over to another – I don't know why I say Obama's name like I'm Sarah Palin, but I've always said <laughs> Obama's name like that. Obama. <laughs> but I get it when Obama <laughs> goes over to another country and says we are not the best yeah. because the best means you're saying you're excluding others. And yeah. I've just never done that. Right. In anything that I've done – it's been from that place of behind the mask, I can transform into whatever it is. So that's like religion, too. I'm always open to, and I'm sure there's a thousand people out there who want to argue me right now, but I'm always open to listening to other, what other faiths are. Like you said, finding out what they are is so valuable. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. I would never close myself off to. I think that's why I accidentally got baptized in the white Baptist church instead of my grandmother's black Baptist church because right. I was just drawn by the energy of what was there at the time and it felt right and it was good. Mm-hmm. So why, why, why um, judge it so, but just let it be. Right. And that's just how I've been. And maybe that's for some people, uh, not a good place, but for me, it's all—it's always worked. Sure, it's always worked. Somebody on that Facebook video that I posted posted a comment. And it was a Walt Whitman quote that I'm going to butcher right now. Oh, Walt Whitman! Oh, Walty Whit, and he oh, said, "Only I have Walt Whitman words." <laughs> I don't. I'm going to misquote them. But he says, "Study and re-examine everything that you were taught as a child, and disregard anything that offends your soul." And I think that's a great place to be. And you're right. There are people that are offended by this sort of wishy-washy, open-hearted, yeah, like, absolutely. I can be Huck Finn and I can be a Buddhist and I can be – it's all about the thing that takes you as close as you can get to the thing that you can never quite be right up next to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But it sounds to me like you lost some of that. I, I, I mean, lost some of it recently, but, you know, I just try not to put a label on it. I try not to. I don't, I don't know. I, I said I was angry at Jesus, but I don't think I'm – I think I'm just more of like um, not sure, Mm. you know, so I'm just – it's more – to make it more of a positive thing, I think I'm just more open to other things right now. Sure. And that's more of like I I would say the human touch is always good and the human support. You know, when you tell people I'm going to pray for you, there's no no attachment to a specific religion, but I think it, it helps people feel good. Sure. And that that's just where I'm at. And it works for me. Right. You know? It's the phenomenon of why does it work to say have a good weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or have a good set. They, they always tell comics to have a good – we're working. Uh, <laughs> you, have really a, you have a good you weekend. You have a weekend. While I'm working. Yeah, that's funny. I'll have a good Monday. Uh, You'll have, have a good, good rest of everything. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get too much sympathy for yeah. our schedule. But why does that work? Why does it work when – uh, on this podcast, if I if we talk about you're in a safe place, why does that make you feel more like a safe place? Or uh, in an argument, saying let's not forget how much we love each other. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you've done that. Why does that work? Yeah, sure. I've never said that. The power of words is insane. I'm not saying I believe in curses and spells and blessings uh-huh. in necessarily a supernatural way, but I know. If someone before I go on stage says you have boob shadow, I'm I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shadow you get under your you boobs in the boob- light. They say that. No, no, no. But I'm just saying if someone did, or or let's take something that's not true. If someone just says you're a coward. Yeah, that's hurtful. It's but just like that, just like and it happens in Manhattan. We're absorbing. Walking through Manhattan is like walking through. Uh, an airport all the time. You know what I mean? So you're seeing people – I've seen so many people fighting. I've seen just as many people 
kissing passionately or cooing with their baby. You, you see it everywhere. And all of these things, going back to just how unpredictable we can be, are adding up to the picture of how you are that day. And that's why when you say, I'll pray for you, uh, take your whatever your choice of God is out of it, you're, then it's done. It's not going to be later when I'm closing my eyes and thinking about you necessarily that you're going to feel it. You feel it right then. Yeah. I'll pray for you. Okay. Great. I'm with you. When I was doing my talk show, Rob Bell, dear friend of mine, happens to be a spiritual author, but that's not the point. The point is I would surf with him every weekend, and it was the strength that it gave me knowing that on Saturday I would be surfing with him, and I wanted to be able to tell him I did a really great job. We had to do nine shows, and they were great. That carried me through just the thought that someone was with me. Oh, that's nice. Right? Yeah. And that's the same thing as saying I'm with you. Or, you know, it's common to say thoughts and prayers or whatever, um, yeah, sending yeah. you good vibes. I miss, yeah, I miss the – I do miss the tradition of, of that, yeah. How you are affects me. Yeah. It's just – I guess it's less awkward than saying, I care about you. The things that happen to you happen to me. I'm yeah. hoping they go well for you. And if they don't, I'll be here. Oh, right? that's sweet, yeah. <laughs> Instead, we say, I'll pray for you. Yeah, it's just, you're a little wordy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little wordy. And, but then it gets fucked up when someone goes, I'll pray for you. And the second they walk away, they go, with that whore Jezebel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it, it can get contaminated or not by your grandma. She sounds lovely. But <laughs> people lose their faith in religion and we, do, we can lose some of this nice stuff. And then I'm even more concerned that we might lose some of the deeply profound and true stuff as well. That's true. Yeah, that's good. Like what do you think about uh, when you die? Do you think it keeps going? That's a, I ask everybody. I just think it's over. You think it's over? Yeah. I mean I've, I've battled with the thought and I just, I just think you have this story and the story ends. And it's you, – you, of course you become a part of the planet. You become a part of – and that's what's ongoing. You become right. a part of the dirt, the salt, the water – that feeds back into itself, and that's sure, it. That's sure. pretty much it. But your awareness is not a thing that is separate from. The I'm not going up to no uh, guy up there. There's no gates. I'm not going to have a conversation about what I did when I was like 12. <laughs> no, my my old poodle that I loved, Kunta. My grandma named my, her white poodle named Kunta Kinte. He's not up there. Wasn't that like a terrible, terrible warlord? <laughs> Kunta Kinte and Roots. Oh right. <laughs> what will be my black of? baby's name? Uh, oh my God! Did you hold the poodle up in that manner? <laughs> I hope you did. <laughs> Please tell me you did. So you're not you're not going to so get funny. back with your poodle. I'm not going to see Kunt up there. Right. Um. It's just. But you're here now. You're here now, and you and you leave behind things for people to carry on, mm-hmm. and that is. It's always about the story. It's always about what people will be able to say about you when you're gone and share and learn from that. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, that's it. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the infinite ramifications of any decision you make, not even a profound decision, like telling someone they're a coward would change potentially the trajectory of the rest of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's becomes a a, another way. part of a story. Right, exactly. That we learn from. What I'm saying is we don't have to conquer France to be remembered. Everything we're doing is part of this tapestry. It's part of this mosaic that no part seems to be any more or less important than another if you zoom out further enough, far enough. 
Pete. You're so profound. <laughs> My God. For a second there, I thought I was like, can I follow this? <laughs> he brought up France? <laughs> I was just talking about the south side of Chicago. <laughs> I was like, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Did Obama hear this story? Well, I feel good. We always end with the, do you feel good on the God thing? I do. I feel, you know. I mean, satisfied? I feel feel fine where I'm at right now. I just mean, on the podcast, will you leave and go, I wish I had said this? No, not at all. No, no, no. That's. I want to make sure you're satisfied. Yeah, I'm I'm so satisfied (laughs) with where I'm at and what I've said. Okay, good. I hope no one sues me for the story about my. You know, I have no boyfriend. idea. Bobby Flay does not seem like the <laughs> the suing type. People are going to piece it together and figure it out. I don't think. Don't well, I, I'm sure the first thing I'm going to ask as soon as the mics are off is who is oh, this I'll person. Tell you. It's going to be great. It's the benefit of hosting the show. I wish I could share everything with the audience, but every once in a while, there's one of these. Uh, we because God can get heavy. We talk about death and all that. I like to end with the this question, which is, can you tell me? Ooh, you know, I haven't done a speed round in a while. Do you mind? Oh. Just a quick answer. Okay. No pressure. But I want to know what the greatest lesson you've learned in life about something easy, like acting. Like, what is something you learned about acting? Doesn't have to be amazing. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I feel the pressure that I've just, it's not a game show. I'm just like. To be a child. Boom! I love that. That was great. I love you. <laughs> but I was nervous for you, and then I was like, that's great. I don't want you to overthink it. Greatest uh, lesson you've learned about love? Let it go. Let it go. Hmm. <laughs> that's lovely. You mean don't hold on to it? Yeah. I love that. Uh, greatest lesson you've learned about family? That could be an answer. <laughs> that's the answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest lesson, let them be who they are. Fucking A. That's great. And this one's more fun. Greatest lesson you've learned about comedy. Because you're very funny. Be funny. <laughs> That's the only lesson. I, so I, you good. try to get around it, but it's really I just know. about being funny. I know. Yeah. They, you won't get passed by if you're doing that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's how I did it. I was charming. I was nice and all this sort of stuff. Some people always been funny, Pete. Were je- well, that's very kind of you. You know, I've always, you know, what I what I used to call you, my John Ritter. Do you remember oh, that? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Because we worked at the Boston together. Yeah. And you were very kind. I was and like, I was, John Ritter. That's John Ritter. Yeah. 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 yeah we yeah. got another one. <laughs> we got another one. <laughs> I love John Ritter so, so much. Me too. And the and the final question is, uh, what is one of the times in your life that you laughed really, 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 really hard? And it doesn't have to be a good story, just a memory. Unless it is a good story, who cares? Recently, uh, oh, it doesn't have to be, it's just real fast. I want to take, no, 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 you can take as much as you want. Tell the one that you're about to say, I like to take the pressure it's off. It's probably not that funny. I, they I, never I, are, I only but have I to love think them. of the most recent one because I don't have good memory because of the marijuana. Sure. But um, I will say just recently, ta- always with my friends from junior high school, Christina mm. and Yolanda, who were actually my first friends that were black that took me in because they knew that they I was They were your like, Malik and Camille. Yes. <laughs> but they were <laughs> my, my Malik and Camille. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they didn't um, – because I, I, I did – you know, I had such a different background growing up in a white neighborhood and then growing in a black neighborhood. I had a tough time with sometimes my black friends accepting that I was not quite like them – these girls always took me in, and they were so much fun. They were so funny. 
They made me laugh, and they just called me recently, and my friend Christina reminded me about the most simplest pleasure we had. We both had very tough times with our parents at that time, and but we would, I would drive this big car. It's a Buick Electra 74, which is called um, a deuce and a quarter in the black neighborhood. That's a SAT question you'll never get. And... <laughs> There has to be a sketch there, like the black SAT. <laughs> like it's like quite none of this unfair white bias or suburban bias or whatever you want to say. I, I mean, you, that's for you to write, not me. <laughs> but we every morning we drive that car. It's huge, so big, and we would drive down this block, and we would both look at each other before going down this hill. That would or it was like a like a bump and then a hill, and we would just look at you go. We would be miserable waking up in the morning. We'd just like, you ready? Oh, my God. And then we were like, Whoa! Oh, my God. And we would laugh our asses off over that simple feeling of that bump. Yep. You know that? I know that, exactly that, what you that, mean. That little dip. There was one in our neighborhood. And we would laugh hysterically. Yeah, yeah. And that would start our day. Yeah. Boom. I wish there were more bumps on the way to work. <laughs> she reminded me of that, and I w- I fell over. I was because cr- you know I mean you really do have to be us and be there to feel the. Right. the I started crying. Yes. I was laughing so hard because it was just so such a moment of us. Right. It's so simple. Yeah, it reminds me of a time I took mushrooms and mushrooms. I don't know if you've ever done them, but they can make you very childish. Yeah, and we oh, were, I've never done mushrooms. I was in the Hamptons actually, oh, and uh, we just drove down to the beach. My girlfriend at the time. And I got in the car. It was night. And I realized that I was still high. I didn't think I was. But I got in the car and I realized that I was. So then no one was there. Pitch black, parking lot. The moon was lit, lighting the whole thing. And I was like, what if I start the car? And I just started the car. I wasn't going to drive. I was like, what if I roll down the windows? And I roll down the window. Everything is feeling very magical. Very, very simple. And then I just did very slow donuts. Very big parking lot. And we would drive through this puddle that was in the parking lot. And when the car would on both sides we screamed with a very similar I have to imagine type of laughter which was just like (laughs) we're in a car we're going in circles we're hitting a puddle we probably did it 15 times oh that's great isn't that amazing yeah that that, I love the childlikeness that you've maintained that reservoir that we talked about because that leads to you still laughing about that yeah that's great that's great it's great it's great it's wonderful. Well, I love that story. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. And I already asked if you feel good, and you feel good. I feel great. Great. And Fantastic. Your, your podcast is called? Oh, my podcast, it's Friends Like Us. That's right. I forgot. It features women of color Ooh. Um, with very different views on hot topics. That's great. And it's just, we have a lot of fun. That's great. Is it you and? It's Well, it's just me. I it's started you. it, you know, and then what, I was also introduced myself again, Marina Franklin, and then... <laughs> um, I've had Pat Brown, who's been on the show a lot, and people love her. Mm. I think they love her more than me. And, um, that so means I, you're a good host. I have to keep her. And now, uh, but she's so good. She's like, we call ourselves the aunties of the show. Um, and, and we've had, what's wonderful about the show is I feature a lot of women of color who are doing comedy as well that people don't know about because they've, unfortunately, they don't get featured in a lot of Comedy Central specials and Netflix specials and so what happens is they are starting to come up and starting to get work and they're good and mm. so um, 
people will listen to them on the show and then go see them perform. And that was the whole goal of the show because it was sparked from the SNL. We need to find a black woman. Like we were hiding. We weren't hiding. Right. And so now like I'll have Ida Rodriguez come on the show and she told me she was in San Antonio and people would go see her and say, we heard you on Friends Like Us. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I I love that. And what a great way to get a – I'm going to agree. Like an over – it's hard to – you know, I even – Having you, I was like, oh, my God, we haven't had a black woman on the podcast. I hate to think that way, but I get shit sometimes oh, from fans you? that are like, where are, the, where are the women of color? Where are this? And to I be tr- honest, though, I try. It's, hard to, it's even hard for me to keep it rolling because they actually are working. Right. That's true. That's the thing is like you. I would love to get Leslie Jones on my show, but she's working, yeah, I, exactly. and she says she'll do the show. Sure, but she's working, which is right, great. Right, right, right. I've tried to get Leslie before too, and we tried to get her on on the TV show as well. Hard to nail down some of these people for sure, but I I hate to admit, but I I, I do. It doesn't happen as much as I'd like. You know what I mean? And I'm sensitive to that as well. But you know what it is? It's also laziness. I see you, and then I book you. And unfortunately, if I go by the when I see you, I book you model, I tend to book a lot of white men. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I get that too. I book straight, too. straight white men. And then I get really haunted. Somebody from BuzzFeed was tweeting at me and it really got to me. I, I didn't mind it actually. But they were like, oh God, you know, two straight white men talking about like transgender people or whatever is like a nightmare. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're right. We need more. I need more. Like I need more. The audience, I can't speak for them, but I think they appreciate yeah. the different views. Of course, I didn't think of it that way. I thought Marina's coming on. I could now start booking. I could it. find some colors for you. You could find. No, some. I'm joking. I could barely. It's it's hard to book a show. I'm sure you could. Actually, I, I Rachel finds that she's she's Jewish, but I was like thinking of other people that I know. Mm-hmm. There's a done. lot you could always go down the list of my podcasts and find them. Boom. They're they're they're. I'll settle for female. <laughs> like I I that is one that I run out of mm-hmm. because as we're talking now. I like talking with women. I don't want to say more than men, but it's different for me because women typically, not always, typically have that more open-hearted, empathetic, let's think about how we're feeling and discuss it. And I tend to like that. Uh, So it's not for lack of desire, but sometimes I look at the list and I'm like, God, we've had 15 white dudes in a row. And uh, I'm, I, for those listening, I'm working on it. I'm going to try better. I'm going to try harder. Aww. Well, that's the best compliment <laughs> I think I get. 15 more black, white guys. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of those white guys. Yeah. Or Trump. Or as I call Trump, uh, the white man's last hurrah. Oh, my God. He's our death rattle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, that, this is it. Mm-hmm. It had to be something gross right at the end. You know how you shit yourself when you're dying? Or the pop of the pimple. Oh. Gross. Either he's the, way, he's the pus. Yeah, and then it's, and then you wipe it off with a Stridex pad, and then we can forget that it, it's already. I'm already. I'm not very political, but I'm, it's already too late. He got too far. We are globally embarrassed forever. I think he may. It's it's close. You think he may win? It's close. You think he might win? It's the they keep putting these polls. I don't know who's doing these polls, by the way, but they keep putting these polls up. It's getting close. I think I saw something like he was like. Hillary's like 46. He was like 42%. Every Republican, I know a lot of Republicans growing up the way that I did. Most of them, I know, I'm going to say in the high 90s, will vote for the Democrat, I think, if it's him. If it's a guy saying we need to register Muslims and build a wall and all the things that are fear-based and authoritarian and grotesque, 
they'll, think they'll so? cross the line. Otherwise... Is that why Paul Ryan's hesitating? Uh, I don't know about that. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's hesitating. He's just like, I need time. Yeah. I, it's going to be a weird thing I'm about to say, and I probably will get a lot of people mad at me, but I, I like Paul Ryan. Uh, I'm going to get people mad at me. I don't know who that is. <laughs> He's a new Republican voice leader. He's uh-huh. a new Republican leader. And I like the fact that he's saying you don't just make a decision. You have to take time to make this decision. And these, these things need to be un- – our party needs to be unified. That is very important to me. I like the fact that he's sticking by his guns on that. He sticks by his guns on a lot of things. I don't, I don't agree with a lot of Republican stuff, but I do like the fact that this man is saying, no, 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 no. Give me the – because if he doesn't say Trump good, then it's going to be a problem. For Trump? Yeah, you know. Oh. He's got to be the voice that says, "Don't." This is the man, and hopefully, and he I, won't I, it do that. may have been today. I don't know if it happened yet, but he's he's taking his time because it needs. That's what smart people do. I understand that, even though I, uh, I understand, but knowing very little about this, I'm like, gotta go ahead and shit on the pile of shit. You know what I mean? If you're if you're up there rallying people, and Wanting to label people. I mean, this is straight fucking oh, it's, Hitler Yeah, shit. I mean, it's... There's sometimes you can jump in the pool and say, fuck my party. This is a reality host and a prank that went too far. You know what I mean? It is, and then it's also like they have to answer what's happening and why it's happening. Why so many people are rallying uh, behind because him. Because power will corrupt everything. So mm-hmm. now Trump has power and has support. So that's where you get people hesitating. It's not that they like Trump. It's they're like, wait a minute now. Well, what happens if he doesn't win? Where do those people go? Where does their anger go? What does it turn into? Back to the monster truck rallies. The Tea Party. We haven't heard about the Tea Party in a while. I want to laugh for that riff. That was funny. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> where does that anger go? Back to the monster truck rallies? I'm sorry. That's, See, that's funny such, shit. That's such, a, <laughs> that's such a P. Holmes thing, and I'm sorry. I just glossed right over it. That was actually very brilliant. I apologize. Uh, no, 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 no. Monster truck. I'm sorry. Uh, no, please. I, just, I, I knew you would like <laughs> it. edit. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. I'm going to pepper this laugh in throughout the podcast. I feel, I feel terrible having asked for it, but also vindicated. <laughs> Um, all right. I do have to... We're good, right? We're good. You feel good? I feel good. Thank you so much for doing it. dang dang Shank-a-dang-dang. And would you say, keep it crispy? The guest says, keep it crispy. That's how we end. It means nothing. It means, you know, keep it, keep it fresh. I just it say crispy. it any way I want. You can say it however you want. Pick one of your languages. One of my languages? Yeah, I don't mean... I mean, you can... I'll har- just say it really sexy because I need a man. Okay. Keep it crispy. Ooh. What was that Spike Lee movie about the... Girl nine. Darla. You did girl nine and keep it crispy. <laughs> I've never had a sexy one. See? Thank you. Uh thank you, Marina. Thank you. And I'm gonna take the earphones off. <laughs> now leaving nerdist.com.